Welcome everyone to episode 12. 12? Oh, wow. Is it really? 12, yeah. Uh, of Radio Free Ortona. And today we are going to continue our, our uh, after our lengthy hiatus, we're going to continue our, uh, our, construct, or our conversation on the utility of the political spectrum. Our raw takedown of it. Yeah. <laughs> our gutting of it. Well, with that in mind, I, I just want to take the opportunity to... In your presence, wish you a Merry Christmas and hope both of you barbarians got the record <laughs> amount of coal in your stockings this year. Or last year. I, I, got, uh, I got black pellets, I think. <laughs> black pellets, yeah. Uh, I, I was going to get some coal, but instead I got uh, a note about the uh, carbon impact of such a thing. And so he's going to, I think yeah. Santa is going to find some other way to symbolize mm-hmm. uh, bad bad people for for gifts that has less of an impact on that the that would actually that would actually be i think worse in my eyes than coal is getting a carbon offset carbon <laughs> offset <laughs> you're bad here's a carbon offset Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah a subject for another podcast yeah or uh, a deduction in your social credit score yeah all righty so i'm going to start this off by saying i think we were completely up the wrong tree I think our, our model, basically, that we are pursuing doesn't really work. Now, first of all, I'm going to start this on the Kalashnikov principle. Remember the guy who invented the Kalashnikov? Mikhail Kalashnikov? Yes. His principle that that which is, or he wanted a device that would be eminently useful and practical and could be utilized by someone with a minimum of formal training. I think a model of the political spectrum should be the same way. It's something that must be very practicable, very easy to digest and assimilate, and can be used by anyone with a minimum of formal training. So I'm going to take the Kalashnikov principle that that which is simple is useful, that which is complex is not. So... On our four-quadrant model, where we talked about the north-south axes, or say uh, it was bow and stern, as being political matters, and then we talked about port and starboard as being a model of income redistribution. If you were on, I believe, port, you were full redistribution. And if you were on far starboard, you wanted no redistribution. Where does environmental policy fit in that? Well, I think I was actually going to joke that uh, I think I ended up trying to complicate things or considered offering to complicate things by adding a third axis, which is the social axis. Mm -hmm. Ah, and I thought about that. So I did a little bit of looking into what other scholars have tried on this model. And that very thing has happened where different models come about. The, so far as I can tell, the original model of the quadrant, of the two axes, one for political, one for economic, came from a, a psychologist. He was, he was German-born, but he did his, his, his professional career in the UK. And he originally set that up as a model of personality. And then that was adapted to the political. And then, of course, well, then somebody said, well, maybe we should have a social axis. And a fellow, another, another psychologist by the name of Milton Rokic did that, 
where he actually had four axes. So imagine a cross superimposed with an X. And then, and of course, everybody starts adding more and more axes to measure more and different things, to be more specific in it. This is where the Kalashnikov principle comes in. It becomes complex to a point where people say, this is useless to me, mm-hmm. and they abandon it. Um, a libertarian by the name of David Nolan had a model, which kind of looks like a diamond, where you've got, again, four quadrants, but you know, tilted on a point where it narrows. The further you go out on any given axis, it narrows to, to represent kind of like that, that the, the more minority views being the, being you know, extreme, in, in the extreme. extreme okay. But then he had kind of a, a rim on the outside where, again, people who are on the extreme have more in common than people who are in the mushy middle ground simply because they're on the extreme. And, and again, it's pretty frigging complex. There was another guy who went even further called Vojum on that who added a third dimension to it. Oh, my God. Isn't they this, make No, are we up to a fifth dimension? Oh, it's, it's stupid. Like, it, it ends up making, you know, diagrams of economic elasticities of supply and demand look simple. Like you're looking at all these charts and lines and squares and you start saying, okay, who gets the ball? Like which one is the tight end and who's going to be the strong safety? Like it's, it's, it's completely, well, completely <clears throat> counterproductive. I mean, this, this is part of the, the economy of being a human being, right? We want things to be simple and yet they are, you know, life is fraught. Human existence is fraught with paradox no matter which way you look. And I think, you know, nowadays that that's part of the discourse that's out there is you know no one can grasp that paradox there, there's there's hypocrisy all around because people are holding on to these tenets that anyone who feels like opposing them or feels himself to be opposed to them can easily point out flaws in that thinking uh, but and sim- reasons for thinking simplicity otherwise simplicity is not the goal Simplicity is a precondition for the goal, which is usefulness. Understood. You're absolutely right. right. It's, it's about the message, not the medium. How do you communicate that? How do people absorb things conceptually in order right. to be able to carry on? Right. right. So if we have, I think, I think only one axis is necessary. It all depends on what that axis measures. Mm. <clears throat> I was actually going to go the other way. I think I, I was about to go to say, well, I think everything is a combination of, of the three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, then but, I remembered that, okay. well, that, the, the, but of course, but then that's a, a, a three. That's like a, political, that's, economic, and social. Yeah, it's a three. Because these things are all essentially intertwined anyways, right? Yeah, what is the difference between the political and the social? Um... I think in some ways the way we're defining it was authoritarian versus individualistic, right? And then the wealth distribution was controlled wealth distribution or... I'm not even sure I like that. Voluntary versus versus coercive wealth wealth redistribution when we were talking about that. Mm Well, interestingly, if I remember correctly, when we started this podcast Mm -hmm. five, ten minutes ago... What I heard, you, what I remember hearing you yeah. guys say was, 
no wealth distribution versus yeah. much wealth distribution. Yeah. Or, or total wealth mandatory wealth distribution. Well, I, I don't remember hearing mandatory. Or, at the no, you're end. right. Yeah, it was, you're right. It was total, complete, 100% of all wealth is redistributed. It goes into a common, it goes into a common pot and then is distributed. Right, right. right. So, and then the Although social... The, both work fully mandatory versus fully voluntary. They would both kind of usefully measure the same thing. Well, you've got total. Yeah, well, all wealth is redistributed. Be, yeah. that, that the question can be, hypothetically, yeah. whether that totality of wealth distribution is voluntary or coercive. Right. Right? Um, well, it would have to be, wouldn't it? Yeah, because you got yeah. to get because if there's one person who doesn't yeah, want it, right. then all of a sudden it's coercive. It has right? to be, yeah, yeah, exactly. By yeah. logical extension. by, by yeah, by right. by necessity, yeah. Um, but that's why I think so. The the political was authoritarian versus libertarian. The economic was distribution of wealth, yay right. or nay, yeah, or to what extent, yeah. And then the social is, um, again. And this is why I say that it can be kind of confusing, right? Mm-hmm. It's the uh, self-interest mm-hmm. alone at one end, which you could put yeah. on the political spectrum yeah. in the um, libertarian. Yep. But the other end, it's the social... Collective interest. The social collective interest, yeah. which would be more on the... Wealth distribution, economic right. Things, right? So now we've See? got two axes, and we've bent a third one. They're all one axis. Right? They are all one axis. The axis is as a default. As a default, if I said to you, "Okay, uh, Trent, there's going to be a situation. The situation is coming in the future. We don't know any details. We don't know when it's happening. We don't know what it's about, and we don't know who's involved." In other words, the only information we have is that there will be a question that we must answer. And so I want to get a forecast from you in advance with absolutely no knowledge. So what I have to get from you is your default. What is your default position? So the only access that matters is who makes decisions, the individual or the group? Where does your default lie? If you know absolutely nothing about the situation and you say, well, all things being equal, I think decisions by and large should be made by the group. Or you think, well, I think as a general rule of thumb, decisions should be made by individuals. Okay, so... So everything can come into that, be it economic, be it social, be it political. So what, okay, so where my mind went with that, yeah. as you were describing that, you know, the concept of a single axis. Yeah. I would say, therefore, the single axis is social. And the social collective in itself somewhere in along that axis defines those three things. It defines how and to what extent the collective interest is, mm-hmm. um, how distribution of wealth falls into that, and how libertarian versus authoritarian falls into that. It's, these are all social considerations as the society that kind you of... You could make an argument that 
all questions are social questions. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think fundamentally, you could. Look, this you comes could. Down. So what, yeah. what do we keep talking about? In, in a lot of ways, we keep coming back to the fact that you know Sweden is not Canada, is not the U.S. Yeah, right. Yeah, you can kind of roughly lump the Scandinavian. Um, social democracies together. Well, yeah, they, they they have more commonalities right. with each other than they do with pretty much anyone else. And, and I'm finding, actually, the more I look at things, the more the Netherlands seems mm-hmm. to uh, have a lot in common. Sure. I with, would say with that, With yeah. Denmark, at least. Yeah. Uh, as much, if not more so, than it does with Germany and Belgium, for instance. I'm, I've been kind of that's surprised to not, see a few things there. That's not unreasonable, given their... Their similar geography and climate and cultural exchange. I mean, they're all Germanic. I mean, the Belgians sure. are, are the Belgians are, are more Romance, are more Latin. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're, they're Latin and, and Germanic yeah. mix. But the although half are all, of Belgian, the northern half of Belgian, Belgium yeah. is is on that. In fact, interestingly, you know, you know, you know, not to go down the rabbit hole of how I found this out, yeah. but I, I had to look into what Flemish was. Mm, right? right, I found out Flemish is Dutch. Yep. Basically, I didn't yeah, know it's, that. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's mutually just, intelligible with with Dutch. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have a few variations, but yeah. it's it's like ninety to ninety five percent. Yeah, if someone identical, speaks Flemish, they can speak Dutch. Someone who speaks Dutch can understand them. Same yeah. thing with uh, Friesish, like a dialect of. Uh, I don't even know if you could call Friesish a dialect of German, but it's one of those languages spoken along the North Sea coast, which. If you speak Flemish, you can understand someone who speaks Frisian. Yeah, I believe that. I'd actually wouldn't be surprised to find out if, that if you spoke Flemish, you could, or if you spoke Frisian, you could probably understand understand Danish. And it's it's that's. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not claiming that as a fact. Yeah, just, I don't I wouldn't know. Be surprised. I, I I haven't really seen anything on. It. I, think, I mean, and there's there's degrees of of, of interchangeability, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you may understand, say, 40% of what's being said. Mm-hmm. You may understand pretty much everything without having any kind of aids. You may be able to understand about half if that other person speaks very slowly and uses gestures to back up what they're saying. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, so you can do that in any language. Degrees. We've had that discussion to a before, certain extent, right? You know, yeah. I've had that experience. It's some of the most uh, powerfully humanistic experiences yeah. in my life is when you can interact with someone and not yeah. having a word, word of yeah. language in common. Yeah, like say that and person speaks tone say, of voice, Chinese. Tone and, of yeah, voice, you speak English. intonation, yeah. uh, facial expression, yeah. and gestures. Yeah. You can successfully communicate meaning. Converse or trans yeah. or, or transact. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, but at any rate, um, I would say that um, the more I think about this, the more I think about this, the only thing that's useful is a single axis that measures who makes, in default, in principle, who should make decisions. Oh, here, okay. So I, I, this I might have to share this one as like the thumbnail for the show because this is just like the opposite. This of is, I'm, I'm see, liking the this, look at this. No, this is so complex as to be useless and is only valuable to someone who wishes to obfuscate and confuse. Okay, well, the listeners can't understand why you're uh, saying that at the moment okay so. it looks like a bingo board with every <laughs> uh yeah it's got more squares on it than a bingo card and it's got it's it's <clears> color shaded to to 
to denote like darker shades at the top, darker shades of green, red, orange, purple, blue, and then lighter shades of those colors at the bottom. And it's got every single color of the rainbow. If I took this downtown, I would fit in in a, into a pride demonstration because like I got everything in the spectrum on this. How many, how many, how many squares are on this? It's 13 by five. So that's. Yeah. uh, So there you go. 13 by five. 65 different. 65 different positions. Useless. So sidebar. Seraphian Marxism. I'm not, I don't even know what that is. (laughs) Seraphian Marxism. I have no idea what that is. Where? Where? Right here. Seraphian Marxism. Seraphian Marx. I've never heard of Seraphian Marx. I've heard of Ricardian socialism. I've heard of that. Then there's like, if you go down a bit, there's libertarian. Libertarian Marxism. Okay, that tells you all you need to know. Libertarian communism. That's like saying daylight, nighttime. No, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. No, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. You don't get to impose your preconceived notions. I get to impose common sense. And this is gibberish. Libertarian Marxism. Come on. Let's find Come out. Come on. Let's That's like saying vegetable meat. That. That's like saying bovine well, horse I, I, riding. I think like, the essential problem with this is that is that it's uh it's taking libertarianism just as like a social construct as opposed to a social and economic construct. Who thought of this rubbish? Where did you get this from? Well, I, and the reason some I'm, guy called the Aquarian Agrarian, I think it was um just looking back here. That's good the Aquarian God. So, Can you go back to it for a second? Libertarian uh, a, a Marxism. There is, I have skin in the game in this conversation. Give me a break. All right. All right. Because I see myself, and I've said this before, right? What I have in common in Steve mm-hmm. is quite a bit of libertarianism. Define that. Or give me examples. Rather than define it, just give me examples. I think... Like a lot of things yeah. when we have these conversations. I don't come in here with a, with a whole bunch of... You know, I can't name drop philosophers the way you guys do. I'm coming at it from my own perspective yep. at every single sure. time, right? And it's generally in the moment, the response to whatever you're doing. So I do feel upon the spot a lot of times. Yeah. So tell me what you talk about. I say, yeah. And, and I will freely admit to you, Patty, at this mm-hmm. time, I don't know exactly what I'm right. talking about. But I, I will tell you this, and I get this from Monty Python. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right? I see anarcho syndicalist. And that's it's, E5. It, it's it's got to be in it. Is it E5? E5? It's E5. Oh, there it is. Yeah. I went looking for it. I'm yeah. actually surprised it's not farther to the left. Right? Anarcho-syndicalism. Okay, to you, what does anarcho-syndicalism mean? I'm not sure. I've never known what it means. The only reason I know it exists is because of... Of, of Monty the, Python. Of Monty Python. It means rule by trade unions. Is it? Yes. Anarcho-syndicalism is another way of saying all power to the Soviets. But very specific. It's not a slogan. It's where they actually put it into practice, where society is ruled by trade unions. Now, again, using the Monty Python model Mm -hmm. as the only example to go on here, they elect an executive officer for the week every week. Mm -hmm. All right. So there is a certain amount of democracy involved. Could be. I mean, All right. so that, could I'm not, be. I'm not saying yeah. I know what these things are. I'm it doesn't saying, mean anarcho syndicalism is going to be an authoritarian dictatorship. I like. It just this. means that trade I, unions are the mechanism of government. I like this because I actually I'm probably just looking at this. I'm probably not anarcho syndicalist. I'm probably a libertarian socialist, or it means you're confused. 
party. Anyone who's, oh, I'm a libertarian socialist. Okay, so you're you're a daylight I, I, nighttimer. I I, ref, I I refuse. You're a wet dryman. I refute the fact that you you can just declare that. Yes, I can. Absolutely, this is day I can. Equals night, and therefore I can. Exist. Yes, you either shave your legs or you don't. Hang on, let me check. Just everyone. Uh, That's who, like who's saying listening. saying you're. Oh, I'm a libertarian well, socialist. It's like I, saying I, I'm sort of pregnant. I don't shave my legs, but for decades I've had these two ball patches on the front. <laughs> You know what? I'm getting those too. I used to... Okay. Talk about digression. Let's go into leg hair. I used to have my own set of permanent long johns that I used to carry around with me everywhere. I had more hair from the knee down than what you could put in a Navajo rug. And now, starting to thin out. I'm not going bald. at just one end, people. It's creeping (laughs) up. Creeping up from the ankles. I'm not happy with it. The weather isn't getting any warmer. I need that stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's yeah. That's I, my leg hair. That's my leg hair well, talk. My, I, I've got a. I've got three nieces, and two of them have stopped shaving their legs for quite a while. Now, is that is that just a winter thing, or is that uh, uh, like a social statement? I think it's it's a social statement. Well, one is uh, one is now I think identifying as non-binary, mm. and the other one is just like. Well, we're not dating, so who the fuck cares? Yeah, so <laughs> like, I think there's a lot of that occurred over COVID. Uh, if yeah. she was, uh, say, if she was going to be more social or uh, romantically active, she would then shave her legs. You think? Or? Perhaps I think they're they're both uh, looking at it a little politically. Like, why should we have to? Men don't. Well, because they're, they're young. I mean, they. Uh, well, I guess the the. It's a fair question. It's a simple one to answer, but yeah. it's a fair one to ask. Like the middle, the middle. The middle one uh, 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 is only about a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, what age groups are we talking about here? What age cohort? Gen Z? Uh, no. They're, yeah. Well, yeah. They're Zoomers. Yeah. Because okay, they're, yeah. they're uh, like the oldest is, I think, the middle one just finished her four-year degree a year ago. So mid-20s. She's 22. She's, yeah. And then. Can you? No. 22 finishing a four-year degree? Well, I finished a degree a year ago. You start when oh. you're 17, 18. Really? Yeah. Yeah, she was high school straight to you. I Nick, guess. So. Yeah, I guess. Right? Yeah. Like, it was, it was, Cause, she, yeah, girls do graduate high school at 17, don't they? I, well, I graduated well, I high mean, school at 17. So. You could gra- I graduated at 17. Yeah, okay. Fair I, enough. I didn't turn Fair 18 enough. until... Yeah, yeah. yeah some of it yeah. is just... Until like, you were already clear of high school. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. There's a whole other conversation there if we want to ever get into Richard Reed's Reeves stuff. <laughs> mm. I would say it's a fair question. Why do they have to shave their legs when men don't? I think it's also an indicator of someone who does not think very deeply. I think this is a very shallow mind that asks that question. It's like asking, why does the sun come up? No, I'd, I'd yeah, say it's but, actually I a mean, very deep mind that's doing it. I, no! What you hope to accomplish by asking the question becomes... I mean, it's, it's the reason why women have traditionally shaved their legs is because it made them more attractive. Not because it was... It, 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 it helped them find a romantic partner. It's pretty simple stuff. But if men thought for one minute, especially teenage boys, thought for one hot second that peeled pins would get them more chicks, Gillette would sell out in every location. Like there would be a mad rush on razor blades. No question. But I mean, and, and I don't want to risk going down 
this rabbit this hole. This rabbit hole, because this, this is plenty of conversations <laughs> well, that have been occurring offline. No, but this is a, this um, is this is this is also from a, like a separate podcast that we're that we're I think that we're, yeah, we're hoping to do. Yeah, we yeah, need to prepare yeah. ourselves for yeah. that one. Yeah. yeah. You know, now is not the time. We also need. But, to, we also need to get, I think, some a guest of the uh, the other gender as well. So. Yeah, no I question. guess get one of your nieces. I want to. I want to. I'm just gonna offend her. <laughs> Drive her absolutely nuts. She get up. But storm I think. Head. I think you just raised the whole point that in the times we're living in, the whole reason for us even wanting to have that discussion in a, in a podcast is because the times uh, have come to the point where those questions are being asked. Right. Yeah, the I definition of a woman being attractive to men is now completely up in the air. Well, from the, the conversation of, over time, the conversation of consent and the con- conversation about why should I bother? And who gives a shit what men think? And yada, yada. Like there's just so much of that going on. I think you, you just kind of, I don't know. I mean, your own, different, your own question. As look to at, why. look at photographs of men in 1951. Mm-hmm. How many beards do you see? None. None. Yet we walk down. It the depends street on where the co- where the where the uh, photograph is <coughs> from. This is true, but say North America or Edmonton. Yeah, Edmonton in nineteen fifty one, no beards. If you yeah, walk if down White Avenue or Jasper me- Avenue today, any metropolitan area, yeah, yeah a large number of beards. Yeah. I I, w- I don't know if I'd say the majority yet, but a very very healthy healthy. Well, uh, again, it's a generational thing. So in the seventies, yes. hair was in. Yeah. It was all about letting it grow. Right, uh, so we're yeah. now fifty yeah. years later. So what was twenty-five years from that? What was what was the mid nineties? The mid nineties. Like? I don't. Mid nineties was fairly clean shaven. Yeah, I would say, in my honest, my honest take on this is that the war in Afghanistan brought about beards because water was precious. The military abandoned the concept of shaving in theater, of requiring shaving as part of its dress codes. The Taliban had no access to uh, nerve agents. No one needed to carry a gas mask around with them in Afghanistan. Water was too precious, so guys let their beards grow. So we had all of these images of, of the masculine, the hyper-masculine um, special operations guys. I was going to say, it's the, the spec ops community yep. in particular. They yep. were the guys who have all the romance, who have all the... Nobody, nobody, you know, playing Call of Duty says, I just want to be that uh, normal guy who's in the 265th Infantry Brigade who just, you know, goes up and does his three years and then gets out and takes his GI Bill money. Nobody wants to be that in Call of Duty. They all want to be the Navy SEAL. They want to be the yeah. Green Beret, the Operator Delta. Hoo-ah! Those guys all had the Oakleys, the ball caps, and the big beards. Yeah, and yeah, and that's they said, and where it, it came from. It even happened, yeah, it even happened in Iraq as well, too. Right? Yes, and the guys yes. were like, "Well, you, when you say Afghanistan, yeah, you can say yeah, Iraq the sandbox, the yeah." Thing. But yeah. the thing, well, the thing was like, I mean, beards very, very common in the Afghan population. Yes, and so yep. the, the story was always, "Oh, we're doing it to blend in." Yes, and I've heard that too. The guys in Iraq were saying, "We're doing it to blend in," except yeah. Iraqis. We're a very clean shaven. I don't. Yeah. I can't remember. Iraqis grew mustaches. They grew a lot of mustaches. Absolutely. Yeah, but that's it. But they were but, yeah. uh, generally because I, had, I, I remember I, I was supervised a six a seventy mm-hmm. man guard force yeah. when I worked in Iraq, and I don't think any of our guys had beards. Yeah, there was a bunch of mustaches. Nobody yeah, had lots beards. of mustaches, which were grown as a symbol of maturity. Yeah, but not a beard. Like I, and I had a goatee in Iraq just because I could. Yeah, right. You know. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's. Um, 
the 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 special operator beard yeah. is what really I think really made the current beard phenomenon take off. Yeah, made it made it yeah. certainly hyper masculine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, anyway. and I think there, there might have been a cultural yeah. shift coming in. Sure. But beyond that, back to the whole idea of the political spectrum. Yes, and I just want to say I will share the link to this freaking bingo card of yes a, to of the a, bingo card of a political spectrum so people can know what we're talking about when we're talking about this well thing. that's yeah kind it, of a side you know, i was wondering if we want to look at you know maybe we need to go to if not a, a youtube <clears throat> for these just so people can see or, or watch videos we're putting at least uh maybe have a powerpoint presentation to go with that we, podcast. uh like like a peroon uh, like yeah video, yeah we're you know, gonna turn this into per- now you can make me learn powerpoint for people Ah, PowerPoint's easy. You were in the army. It it comes with part of your basic training. You have to learn how to how to lull people into semi consciousness. No, that's PowerPoint. That's either phase one or <laughs> that's a leadership course. Phase, phase one officer <laughs> training or whatever they call JNCO these days. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to say two things here. One yeah. is uh, I refute the. Uh, your refutation. I match your refutation you, you, with you a refutation of my, my own. dismissal. I, we I cannot, see your dismissal and I reason with my own dismissal. We cannot dismiss this yet because we haven't, haven't, haven't had a chance to look into it yet. <clears throat> I will attempt to, for the next time that we meet, even if it's on a completely different subject, I, w- I will going to do some homework and I'll come back at you regarding uh, the Echo 5, Delta 5, possibly Charlie 5. Echo 5. Austro-Marxist national personal no, no. autonomy. No, no, no. The other way. Oh, sorry, that was Echo Three. Anarcho-syndicalism, libertarian socialism, and socialism and syndicalism. Well, at least anarcho-syndicalism, somebody has heard of, and if for, only from a Monty Python sketch. And well, it was it was an actual viable, not I don't mean viable, but it was it was taken seriously in the early part of the twentieth century. Mm-hmm. Um, anarcho being uh, meaning the dismantling of the centralized or the existing forms of the state. So consider 1910, Mm -hmm. where we are in that Edwardian period. Anarcho in that context meant getting rid of the old model of European parliaments and the vestiges of rule by monarchist, what Metternich considered like the, 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 the natural forms of government syndicalism came from the French word meaning trade unions. Mm-hmm. So the idea was that the working class being the majority of the population should have, it was, it was basically an, an offshoot of majority rule. So it was okay. By what's the difference between this and democracy? Well, instead of using parliaments, like the existing parliaments and national assemblies and whatnot that had evolved out of the, traditional European absolutist monarchies where, for example, uh, in the French model, you had the Estates, uh, Estat General, where the nobility still had a, uh, how would you say, a hereditary say in governance. Like Britain had the House of Lords. Mm-hmm. Where, what qualified you to be in the House of Lords? Well, you were born with a title. Uh, it was a rejection of that. Saying that, look, there's these old institutions are corrupted by the nature of their very origin, what's a more equitable solution? Rule by trade unions. Mm -hmm. So what really, um, what kind of caused it to peter out was a couple of factors, one of which is, okay, how do the various trade unions 
which are, you know, a fairly common sense way to organize your society. If you just say, yeah, I mean, why not break that down by what you do for a living, what industry you work in? Like, I, I guess it's, it's not a bad starting point, but how do the various trade unions come together? Right? Who once we okay? We're in the steelworkers union. He's in the boat builders union. He's in the um, I don't say a machinist union. How do the various unions get together to hammer out policy and make decisions? And that's where no one was able to find a solution that enough people could really hitch their wagon to, and so it kind of lost momentum. And then of course there were the changes uh, in the aftermath of the First World War the rise of Bolshevism, the rise of um, uh, the collapse of a lot of these states that anarcho-syndicalism was in opposition to. Like the German Empire disappeared, the Austro-Hungarian Empire disappeared, and there was a, a, a replacement of these multi-ethnic states with single nation states like Poland, Czechoslovakia, um, the Baltic states, etc., 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 but at least, at least anarcho-syndicalism was a real, legitimate, honest-to-God um, political philosophy. Unlike... Alpha 9. Leninist democratic capitalism. Alpha 9. Spontaneous workerism, Luxembourgism, Guevarism. I got the most pointer on it right now. Watermelon state. Okay. Watermelon yeah, state. Check what is that? Green on the outside, red on the inside? Is, well, that's what one would assume. But it's under like uh, the alpha axis or whatever that is, is completely, uh, they call it complete oligarchical. Oli oligar yeah, so. oligarchical. Oligarchical. So just, just out of curiosity, okay. Um, I see Franco, and I always knew that Franco was very capitalist uh, compared to... Um, Compared to compared to Hitler, for sure, uh, possibly Mussolini. So I'm I'm interested to see. I know where I expect Stalinism to be. That should be Alpha One. That's uh, nihilistic tyranny. Well, both. Okay, yo, that's interesting. Okay, Stalin is <clears throat> Stalin. So this is, is where we have that full circle. Yeah. Oh, that's don't get me started where, on the full circle. Where are Hitler and Mussolini? He's got Hitler as a seven. At the top row. For for listeners, the top row is all of your real heavy-duty, hardcore, authoritarian dictatorships. And then the bottom row is touchy-feely. Well, Everybody's all over the place. They what, have it as free, free slash anarchism. The but. bottom row is an absolute word salad of meaninglessness. The Austrian and Virginia school of libertarian minarchism. Okay. Voluntaristum, voluntaristic market anarchism and okay. agorism. <clears throat> I get it. The bingo card could probably be pulled down. This is ridiculous. Bingo card. This, is this serious or is this farce? I don't know. This has got to be a political spectrum version of the onion. This can't be real. I guess, um, where'd it go? Um, <clears throat> okay, so that was the other point. I, I think I've been thinking about this since last time. I was actually thinking about our last conversation, our last podcast. I think it was just yesterday when I was driving. I was like, okay. Because I was, I was fuming it a bit at finding myself in the position where... Mm -hmm. Having to defend coercion? From what I remember, the left was being pegged as 100% coercive 100% of the time. 
Uh, and if that was you're not on where, the extreme. That and and well, I mean, you guys were saying by definition the left is coercive, and I yes, I, yes, and and then Steve pointed out uh, somewhere in there quite quickly that basically they were all coercive except for the far starboard, which is the libertarian. Yeah. Okay. So, but yeah, because there's because, going to be a certain amount and I'm of coercion glad you everywhere. Said that because. The, what I was kind of steamed about yesterday is I was kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't just peg this on the quote-unquote, and now we're going left and right again, right? Went, okay, uh, Stalin. Yep. Authoritarian, no question. No question. And, and, and he's quote-unquote left, right? But there's yep. been plenty of the right that we can, you know, and we just don't just need the Mussolinis and the Francos and the Hitlers. If you accept, if you accept that the fascists were on the right, I don't. I think that has got to be one of the most unjust propaganda jobs of the late 20th century. Well, that's why we came up with the, the need for two axes, because the right can mean two things. If if your intent is to deceive and misrepresent, yes. No. Yes. Because if if at the end of 1945 with the liberation of Dachau and the discovering of the final solution and you say that oh my god, this will forever discredit the left. This will forever taint us. We will never ever win over the cultural hearts and minds of the people if we are associated with this. How can we pin this on the right? No. And so, hey, let's 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 get something that makes absolutely no sense after all of 37 and a half seconds of, of analysis, and let's turn our single axis into a circle. That way we can somehow pin the Nazis as being oh, okay. on the right, even though there's absolutely nothing right wing about them. Well, hold up. That's why you know, that's why we came up with two axes, and you actually just had an argument for the third. In no. my mind, hang on. Hold, no! hold, hold your horses. Uh, that, by pointing out something as being completely dishonest is not an argument for it. It's a condemnation of it. I am ar- I'm not arguing that something is dishonest. No, I'm, just, I'm saying it's disingenuous. You, you have to let me say things in response to Well, that. you said that I just made an argument for a third axis. No. In my mind, you did. Oh, but okay. Please, right. please let Go me on. elaborate. Are you kind of arguing this model? No. Okay. All right. Nope. Because, again, the right... Although I see where he's coming from. The right can interchangeably be Mm -hmm. economic capitalism. Mm -hmm. And it could also be authoritarianism. At least that's been my experience of those definitions. And I've been very careful along the way. How? How so? The political right. Okay. And I've had to make this distinction along the way. Yeah. Because I used to put the two together. Okay. The political right can mean authoritarian. And the political right can mean economic. Such as, example. So political right in this country. In, in a, a, an authoritarian form of the political right would be, would an be, example of the political right acting authoritarian would be. Pinochet. What makes him on the right? Authoritarianism. <clears throat> what makes authoritarianism on the right? <clears throat> okay. Because now we're getting to the point where you're telling me that a banana bunch is a bunch of bananas. The right is authoritarian because authoritarian is what right. I'm telling you is that's always been my understanding. All right. And I'm I, saying that maybe your understanding was a con job. Maybe you were misled 
from the earliest days. If I may respectfully point out, yeah. that's an arrogant thing to say. It is, but I think it's necessary. I accept the challenge, yeah. <clears throat> but I don't think I'm the only one. Like it, it won't take me too much looking on the Google to be able to pull out uh, a philosophical, political philosophical name of repute mm-hmm. that will substantiate what I've what I've said. If right? if we're going on the idea that if your baseline assumption, if your governing principle is that whenever a question arises, on the whole, all else being equal, in the absence of any other qualifying information, individuals should be allowed to make their own decisions. Okay. This is antithetical to authoritarianism. Yes. So then the idea that, and if we decide to, if we say, okay, the right means individualism, it's a deviation, for, it's, a, it's a transition away, in other words, towards the left. Fair point. So if we say that on the whole, all things being equal, in the absence of any other qualifying information, individuals, by nature of their humanity, are flawed, are imperfect, are easily misled, and can be, can be in error. We are safer if we make our decisions collectively. If we make our decisions as a whole um, all of us together are less likely to be incorrect. Therefore, decisions should be made by the group. This necessitates, it necessitates uh, a mandatory nature of those decisions. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Sorry, I, I got so much going on right now. But Go I ahead. came to a little bit of an epiphany of myself because you're, well, you just made a very valid point, mm-hmm. right? Having... Uh, Extreme individualism, libertarianism, mm-hmm. as the far right, by definition, mm-hmm. puts it at loggerheads, at or, loggerheads or, with authoritarianism, yeah, authoritarianism, which under certain circumstances I see as far right. Right. So you you've asked me about how I see myself as being a libertarian mm-hmm. socialist. Let's say. okay. All right, and I think. As you were talking, I, I, I had a bit of a, a, an epiphany of where I come from, yeah. right? I see these two things as not being incongruous because in both cases, mm-hmm. a certain amount of wealth distribution and the respect of individual rights are both about my responsibility, not just... Yep. To myself, but to my... To the whole. To my to the whole. To the individuals within the whole. Okay. Right? So that's why I don't see them as incongruous. Right? A libertarian socialist is... To me, that's always been about respecting you and your mm-hmm. rights. Mm-hmm. You know? And also respecting the other members of my society. And I want to try yep. and define my society as large as possible just in terms of you know the, the basic necessities of life 
right? Well, let's put some boots on the ground here, and we'll talk about income redistribution. Would you support a system where we say, okay, income redistribution will be voluntary? Each individual decides how much of their income they will provide for redistribution. You could decide that, you know, maybe you feel a, a sense of, of great responsibility and you say, okay, I'm going to, and like this is aside from other government programs such as maintenance of the roads, uh, parks and recreation, like that's separate. This is just purely for, for distribution. You can say, okay, I'm going to set aside 45% of my income. Um, 20, 20%, 25% will go to government regular trans, trans, uh, taxation. Like we all pay 25% of our income in taxation for other things. Okay, great. What's left? You decide you're going to take 20% of your income that will go strictly and exclusively to wealth redistribution. Where Steve says, I'm going to give 5% of my income to distribution. And I'm going to say, I decide I will give, let's say you have to give something. Let's make that as our rule. You have to give something. 1% 1% is a minimum so that I will decide I'm going to give 1%. Would you support such a system? Maybe. Under what circumstances? You just threw so much on the table right then. Yeah. Like, like, so, I yeah. can't unpack it all right. Give me, give me a couple. Just, just take, give me first impressions. Uh, because that would be very voluntary. That would be a kind of a libertarian kind of approach to a socialist concept. I, I think, okay, on an ideal level, yep. that's a great approach to it. Okay. All right. Very equitable. I, I think, but on a practical level. Exactly. Right. There, there come times. Mm-hmm. When, you know, and, and I'm going to utter the words climate debate. Okay. Okay. And the climate debate, I don't want to get into the, 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 the pros and cons and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. what, what's actually real yep. about it right now. That's not what this one's about, right? But whenever a society is in a situation where it can recognize mm-hmm. that drastic action will be required yeah decisions have to be made on the part of all okay for the benefit of all to mitigate disaster for all yep right that's where you can't have that one person you 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 have to have coercion right yes now the thing about the climate debate is it's all it's cloudy enough that you got people on all sorts of sides and and it's it's just a a self-perpetuating debate Mm -hmm. right that you're talking of climate change as say a, just a, a situational say, example, right? Yeah. But let's say uh, you know there's a meteor heading towards the, towards the yeah. earth. There's only one solution. It's going to be a mass extinction event. It's it's we we've got a, a hundred billion dollar rocket. Yep. That the world needs to get together. Yep. Pay for build the everybody's sucker, got fire a pitch it in. off into space. Yep. Right. That okay. means. Everything that everybody does yep. from now for the next six months yep. is you're, going you're, you to are, that. You are working for free. You're being yep. taxed 100%. Yep. And everything you do is going to be somehow related to the building of that rocket. Building of that rocket. Otherwise, yep. it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Good right? example. Did you Good say example. 100 billion? Well, let's Whatever. say. 
Uh, I'm trying to come up with a number. Okay. A gigatrillion. 20 trillion. I don't know. Right? Yeah, yeah you're yeah. right. Everybody's yeah, okay. income. Yeah, everybody. You're yeah, right. I, 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 I just put. 100 billion doesn't fund the U.S. <laughs> government for like two months. So. I just so, pulled yeah. a Dr. Evil. I yeah, great, yeah, great yeah, big yeah. good gigabucks. One million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Good gigabucks. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a good example. In that kind of case, you can't afford to have anyone opt out. And, and so, so and then, basically, and that's when, yeah. but that's an obvious extreme example. Right. So now, but let's, now let's get back on the back sliding into scale. the middle right. where it yeah. gets back into practical boots on the ground, just everyday wealth distribution. You wouldn't support that, right? Because, or correct me if I'm wrong, well, you don't like the idea of a voluntary okay, so here's distribution the best, because too many people would opt out. Here's the best example I can give you. Yeah. Or the best answer I can give you. I would have to wait and see what the results are. Right? To see whether or not they think like you do. And if they do, we're no, good. Just if to they see, don't, no, we it's, have it's to impose. No, it's not necessarily do people think the way that I do. Or do, are people right? going to make the decisions you want them to make? Well, in a lot of ways, in a very broad sense, that's the exercise that I go through in this social democracy that we live in already. Yeah. Right? Basically, I'm taking part in a political system that... Uh, and my participation is basically twofold. One is I get out and vote, and the other is I speak up and contribute as I see a need to, mm-hmm. right? And the results filter down from there, right? What do our various levels of government actually end up doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I look at it and I go, I'm always going through this. Yeah. Now, on a day-to-day basis... Like most people, I'm just like, you know what? Life kind of sucks right now, but it could be a lot worse, mm-hmm. right? So, roof over my head, food in the fridge, right? Um, I got some income coming in. Yeah. I'm working on building my business, yada, 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 yep. right? But, and here's something I went through the other day, and this is, I can't remember when in the holiday season this was. I can't remember if it was before Christmas, after Christmas, but before New Year's, after New Year's, whatever. I went to buy a pack of smokes yeah. at the 7-Eleven. It's just up the road. And as I was going in, there's someone around the corner mm-hmm. in the dark, all bundled up, mm-hmm. got, their, got their bags of only possessions. Yeah, a homeless, right? uh, presumably yeah. a homeless person. Yeah. Yeah. And... It wasn't as cold as it was, say, the week before Christmas. So Still winter. After Christmas. Still winter. Right? It's cold you know, enough. If you're outside, it's cold and enough. I am broke. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I have enough to re- recognize a few things. Okay. I've got enough that I'm going to feed my addiction to cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And I've got enough... That I'm not that guy out there. Yeah. And I and so when it comes to defining our society, every once in a while I I, I get a rude awakening and I need yeah. this. And I think we all need this, right? I was very aware mm-hmm. that that person could be dead. There's a human being mm-hmm. in need of assistance. Five blocks from where I live. Yeah. And this exists in our society. Okay. Right? Who could die tonight? Okay. 
I can't take care of this person on my own. I bought an overpriced sandwich from the 7-Eleven cooler yep. to give to this person to yep. get them through. Whatever. Yeah. An get, hour Get them two, something. Yeah. Okay. Right? Now, a lot of people told me on, along the way, whenever I do anything like that, you can't solve the world's problems on your own. Okay. Right? And that's, that, that's part of what well, we're talking about here, I don't right? Know. I can't I solve the world's problems on my own. No, but at least you solved one problem on your own, which is how's that guy going to get through the next hour? I would say that what you did there was a very right-wing action where you take indi- you made an individual choice, you yeah. took individual responsibility. It was voluntary. Vol and that's it. you did it voluntarily. Nobody said to you, Trent, you must no. Part with your money, and you're going to buy that guy's sandwich. But that's but you know, that, nobody. That, nobody said, and from our perspective, nobody said, Trent, you got to give me six bucks so I can give this guy yeah. a shitty ham and cheese sandwich. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it was actually like yeah. seven ninety nine. Okay. Yeah, you must give us fourteen ninety nine. Unless Karen's so listening, that, in which case I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> so so then we can give I, I this guy a shitty but, ham sandwich. But but here's the point. Yeah. Right? And this and this is where the, the whole concept of coercion that yeah. I was pushing back against yeah. last time. This is where I say that wealth distribution can be voluntary because it that was wealth be. distribution. Sure, but, but we 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 it can be. We yes. never disagreed with that. It can yeah, be voluntary. We, we never disagreed with that part. I'm pretty sure you did. No, because no, no, no. Where no. we remember our our theory about the guy with eight million dollars. There was the rich guy with $8 million and you were saying, screw that guy. He doesn't need $8 million. I'm going to take, you know, $6 million or whatever it was from him so I I'm can... I'm not going to take it. I'm just saying if someone takes a hundred uh, a million yeah, from him and yeah, then gives whatever. it to, you know what I mean? yeah. to feed yeah. a bunch of people, yeah. I don't have a problem so with So we've got that guy on the corner, dude, the homeless guy. You voluntarily chose... Yeah. So I'm going to buy that guy a ham sandwich. Yeah. You know, I'm going to give him something. And you voluntarily did that. it's a different matter when you say, I want the state to put a gun to the head of Mr. 8 million and force him to do something. So the reason we talk about a social axis, Mm -hmm. right? And and you yourself said, okay, now we're going to take it from the extreme example of the one million dollar rocket to blow up the asteroid. Or yeah, the the, 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 gigabuck. And we're and we're gonna we're gonna Bring it down, and I think this is this is the perpetual conversation we keep Put having. Boots on the ground, right? Yeah, is it, it's all about this because I'm looking at this going. You know what? That wasn't enough. You're right. It was voluntary. Yep. Right. But I don't believe that in Canada mm-hmm. we should have a homeless problem. Then why didn't you invite the guy to come live with you? I'm part of the problem. <laughs> All right. I, I know that's a very that's a very ridiculous question. Obviously, right? No, but obviously. no. It, but in its own way, it is valid. Yeah. All right. It's it's only valid so, as a theoretical. This is but this is what this is why it's a, this is yeah. why it's a social consideration. Right. This is why it's it falls on the axis of, of how we define ourselves as a culture. Now you've asked one very good question. Yeah. Which is. Why didn't I invite him in? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and, and give him a, we've we've got a we've got a guest bedroom in the basement. It was a completely right? facetious. I mean, but but no, instantly it's, there's a whole number of reasons why, you, why you wouldn't do that, right? Because you don't know yeah, this guy. Like I, I don't know this person. I don't yeah. know what to trust. Yeah. Right? But I still feel it's a valid question. Yeah. If we all did that, 
right? Mm. If people put up their homes, the guest rooms, whatever, to take in the homeless and, and you know, just gave them a chance, gave everyone, you yeah. know, like create some sort of, I don't know, foster program, whatever, sure. like, you know, so they can clean themselves yep. up, go look for a job, somewhere to keep yep. warm, you know, you know, share a bit of food. Yep. Right. That's what we could do as individuals. Yeah. As a society, I I, I find it there's there's a certain immortal immor sorry immortality immorality mm-hmm. to our society that has as much wealth in it. And this is why I have the problem with the guy who's got eight eight million dollars yeah. a year. Yeah. All right. Yeah. On some level, there is no reason in Canada that we should have a homeless problem at all. Right well, now, I understand is, this comes down to human yeah, behavior yeah, and, and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. But I know what you're saying. Ec- there should be no reason for an economic. If uh, we, of as a society, valued it enough, we would find a way to redistribute the wealth in such a way that we didn't have a homeless problem. And I realize it's not as simple and, as that, but I, I'm just trying to point out where I'm coming from. And right? I think, to an extent. We do have a volunt- a semi-voluntary concept of redistribution where we can take that $8 million guy and if we go on the principle that many hands make light work, where we say, okay, you taking that guy and bringing him into your guest bedroom, that's a massive imposition upon you. I mean, it's one possible solution, but a severe imposition upon you. But what if we all gave 100 bucks mm-hmm. a year? Well, we do. We do. And, you know, we take a small amount off of each of our paychecks. There's 30 million of us. Yeah. We take 100 bucks a year. We're not going to notice that small amount. I mean, it's very, very, very trivial. It's, it's, it's not mm-hmm. a huge effort for anybody. But that would, you know, come up with like three, you know, what, what, three billion a year? Something 38. Like that. A, a pile three, of money. Yeah, 3.8 billion. A pile of money. Yeah. Right, so then, yeah, we could do a lot of good with that. So the question we have to decide is: Is a hundred bucks enough? Should it be more? Should it be less? And then there's further questions: What's the biggest priority? Do we get food first? Do we get shelter first? Do we get clothing first? Blah 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 blah. All of these things are done, and these are this is part of the give and take of of, of government. But it comes down to your first principle should individuals make these decisions individually and then we aggregate those individual decisions to decide on a course of action or should we have representatives who are experts in the fields who are uh, better qualified to handle these major decisions let them decide and then everyone rolls with that decision no, I, I think we've had this discussion before, and I'm pretty sure you're That's, not talking about government right now. Well, yes, government is an extension of the group. Government is the real-life manifestation of the group. Right. And yet, government can be large and onerous, as we've all discussed. It almost always is. Um, and so it becomes, you know, how is that administered? How is it managed? Yes. I, I, I would expect the answer to those would be kind of poorly. Um and it becomes 
bureaucratic. I mean, you know, I, I can, I can as tell you. a conservative, <clears throat> I think this is an unfortunate reality of government, but a collectivist might now okay, on this point, a good friend of mine, he hates the terms left and right. And he mm-hmm. much prefers the term collectivist versus individualist. Mm-hmm. A collectivist might say, no, government is not by necessity, by definition, inevitably large, bureaucratic, bloated, yada, 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 yada. I, as an individual, say, yes, it is. But again, I appreciate that people of other viewpoints would hotly disagree with that. I actually agree with you as a collectivist. The government is by definition inevitably too big, bloated, inefficient. No, I don't think it is by definition. I think ours is. Uh, I think it's gotten uh, right. to the point. But, but it is I, I think not it's an also, inevitability of government. Well, to a certain extent it is, because once, uh, I think it's it's in the human condition. Yeah. Right? Um, that things get, you know, they just, they become big and unwieldy and tough to do. And then it doesn't even, because you can have three levels uh, of, you can have three levels of people just like everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right? You're gonna have the poison corrupt at the bottom, so they're gonna be they're gonna be messing with that system. Like, yeah, at the top, words, on the, the top, the, the self-seeking rent seekers who seek to maximize their own advantage, yeah, or, regardless know, like people, of the cost to others. People, you know, who are just in it, you know, like they're, they're part of the system, yeah. and they're they're gonna be grafting, skimming some yep. of that money for their yep. own, you know, like you know, laundering it, whatever, you know, and then. We're seeing more and more of that these days, and I don't know if that's because it's happening more, or just because I think it it's makes just because we're more, more we're more aware of it, right? Yeah, you're gonna have the idealists in there somewhere, and the rest of it's gonna be bureaucrats, right? And that's the human condition as well. The example I was gonna use it so once, once in my life, one time, I applied for welfare, mm-hmm. and this was in BC, and I and I had absolutely nothing, uh, and I was standing in line at the welfare office. Now this isn't pogey. This isn't. This is welfare. This, yeah, this this is social right. assistance. Yeah, and you know it was just to have food to eat, mm-hmm. right? And, and it was I was so ashamed. How old were you? Mid twenties. Okay, right. And there was another guy in line. He got to, he got up the front before me. Now he was a young kid, younger than me, anyways. So early twenties, uh, threadbare sweater with holes mm-hmm. in it and stuff like that. And all he wanted. He wanted bus fare mm-hmm. to get to his usual uh, welfare office because mm-hmm. he had to be at that one to accomplish X, whatever yeah. it was, right? And he was like, that's all he wanted. Yeah. He was like, I know you can't do this here. I have to do it at the other welfare office that my file is at or my workers is at yeah. or whatever. I just need the bus fare to get there. Yeah. And the woman's like, I can't give you the bus fare yeah. unless I know your address. Right. Because your address has to be in the right place. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it has to be in the zone for this welfare sure. office. Yeah, fair. That's, and, that's and, not unreasonable. And he, he said, I, I, I don't have a house. I slept in a ditch. And she said, yeah. where was the ditch? And he told it. The f- poor guy told her where the ditch was. And she yeah. said, that ditch is in someone else's jurisdiction. I cannot give yep. you the bus fare. And I was like, holy fuck. And there I was for, you know, yeah. one of the few times in my life I didn't have the bus fare to give right. it to this guy. Right. Yeah. right. But if you did have it, you would have. Yeah, I'm, I'm just like, how fucking ridiculous is, you know, and that's why we talk about the quote unquote public service, right? Right. The bureaucracy is set up to deny people things. This is not public yes. service. Yes, it is. Right. This is. I, in many ways, yes. It, it is, is set up to rigidly define who yes. can get it. 
And if you if you don't fall within those rigid parameters, yep. they are going yep. to deny you the quote unquote service. It is not about providing service; it's about providing. Yeah, it it's to about as rationing. As it's about rationing. It's about service. making sure no one's abusing the system. Yes, right. Yes, by necessity. That's how, and that's well. I mean, that's how they. I, I think that's how they justify it. But I think it, it just becomes. Partly a system control, partly an individual control, petty bureaucracy. Petty bureaucracy. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, I mean, it's also, yeah. they've lost sight of the fact that, okay, it's just like you don't want an innocent person to go to jail. That's why you've created the rights. So therefore, a yep. guilty person might go free. Yes. So that no innocent person gets imprisoned. Isn't that the motto of the American system? It is better that a hundred men, guilty men, walk free than a single innocent man be jailed? Isn't, is that, that, fa- isn't that the foundation of the common law? I thought it was an American thing. But one way or the other, I mean, we, we, we've heard this. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah. We've heard right? this principle. In the same way, I think that we, we've perverted the, the, the government services to the extent that, listen, I get it. You don't want people committing fraud right. and, and getting stuff that they shouldn't. But it shouldn't be at the expense of running the people who need whatever service it is ragged. And, 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 you know, how, and, do you know, how do you know he was telling the truth? You don't. The whole system is there for a reason. I'm yeah. telling you. I'm yeah. telling you. There was a guy who needed a sandwich the other day, and he was like gobsmacked yep. that someone took the time to get yeah, a sandwich. He's sure. like, like, he was I, like, I, get I it, handed but... him a sandwich, and he, he took it from me. He said, "For me?" I'm like, "Well, yo, part of me is yeah. just laughing and said, well, I'm handing it to you, yeah, probably and, for you. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like these people need this shit. Sure. You know? And if they show up and they've got nine of the ten bureaucratic pieces of information. You're going to send them away and tell them to come back and stand in line for another eight hours yeah. a week from now? Yeah, but this right? is, there is a finite amount of resources. Even if we had, even if we go full port on the income redistribution axes, where like as Steve was saying, we're, we're hanging off the gunnel on, a, on a, the very end of a rope attached to the mast and our hand is dipping in the water, there is still a finite even if we had mandatory 100% redistribution, there is still going to be a finite amount of income right. to redistribute. That's, but that's why it needs to be managed properly. Right. right. So there will always be a rationing. Always. Yeah, I'm just saying... That there should be a better way of rationing? There's a better way of doing this. Well, how long have we had the welfare state in, 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 this, in, in British Columbia? No, I don't, no idea. 75, 80 years? Probably not. I think most welfare systems have been in place since... Second World War? Uh, well, I Maybe mean, earlier? Depression or the 60s. Okay. Right? I mean, universal health care came about in the 60s. Yeah, okay. Right? So, so let's say the 1960s. Yeah. So 65, 70 years mm-hmm. with literally the greatest minds. Three entire generations could throw at this problem. It can't be solved. It's like our healthcare system. Oh, there's got to be a way to make it work better. No, it can't work any better. This is as good as it's going to get. No, I disagree. The greatest minds of the last 70 years across 11 different jurisdictional organizations have grappled with this problem. No, they haven't. And they cannot solve it. The greatest minds of the last three generations have gone into law and are working for corporations and 
rich people <clears throat> getting paid a lot of money to defend them. They're not the greatest minds when it comes to healthcare policy. They're the greatest minds when it comes to legal policy. I, I, you know, when I say I agree with you about the size of government and yeah. the running of government, I, f I think it's inefficient. Yeah. But it can be efficient, right? Again, it's uh, well, the human condition. I, and I see it in industry as well. And this is well. a philosophical, philosophical difference, whereas I think that inevitably... Large organizations, particularly governmental ones, can never be efficient. Well, we know that there's, we've seen it ourselves. As long as they're run by human beings, they can't we've be We've seen efficient. it ourselves. You know, what happens at the end of every budget year in the, mm -hmm. in, in the military, yep. right? March every Madness. unit out there is yep. like, oh, got to take all our, our yep. ammunition and use it all up. Otherwise, yep. we're not going to get any next, next yep. year, right? Can How I, fucked is that? Can I, uh, can I throw some numbers at this? Yep. Just, just, I just did a little, uh, a little rough calculating because... You were talking about the three billion dollars. If you took yeah. hundred bucks a year from everybody, it's three billion bucks, and that's a yeah. that's a lot of money. Good chunk of change. Of yeah, good chunk of change. <clears throat> so it conveniently comes up. L LA, Los Angeles. Yep. Has throws a lot of money at homeless people. They have about forty one thousand homeless people in L A. Yep. Uh, and that's people that includes people living in shelters. Yeah. Um, and they're spending about just under a billion a year. And so now there's a new article, an article I just found on NBC. NBC. Uh, yeah, from uh, from April first of twenty twenty two, Los Angeles agrees to spend three billion dollars to house homeless residents, and the money would pay for sixteen thousand beds for five years. So I just did the number crunching to figure out what that costs yeah, per so bed. Per What's bed per year per is that is thirty seven thousand five hundred dollars per bed per year. Okay, was that per night? Yeah, that makes sense. Thirty-seven thousand. But I did the, I did the math on my own and what it costs what it costs me to live per per year. Yeah. To just well just not to own. Yep. To own and heat this yep. place to keep the lights on. Yep. Cost me twenty-eight thousand eight hundred a year for my three-bedroom yep. house. Yeah. That's my my and that's a little higher actually than what it is because I said my mortgage payment is about fourteen hundred yeah. a month and then I added but a thousand bucks just for are bills. we throwing in food in this are we feeding the homeless people in this in this program the, the thirty seven thousand U S probably probably we haven't read the I'm, story yeah I'm going to guess that, that fits in there I that's mean a, that's a hundred bucks a night that doesn't strike me as outrageous uh, really because you're taking someone and like we're talking holding their hand. Doing ab like we're institutionalizing these guys, yeah, essentially. So thirty-seven, mind you, that's thirty-seven thousand U.S. So yeah. what is that in Canadian? That's probably close to fifty-two. Uh, let me. I can give you today's exchange rate. Yeah, it's, it's seventy-four or seventy-five. It's basically three quarters. Um, yeah, basically. Four thirds. So I'm gonna guess that's around fifty-two, fifty-three thousand Canadian a year. Do, 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 do. That would be twelve. That would be. It's about fifty. That would be excessive. Fifty thousand two hundred thirty-eight bucks okay. Canadian at so, today's exchange. Yeah. So there's two things going on. Um, Thirty-seven thousand Canadian wouldn't strike me as outrageous because again we're yeah. holding that guy's well, hand. Well, and the, and there's a there's a difference there because yeah. when I was doing when I was doing math, yeah. I mean I was this figure yes. is thirty-seven thousand yes. half U.S. Yes. dollars. My number right. is, is just under thirty Canadian. grand Canadian. So when it's fifty grand Canadian, there is a very, very important factor. It's who's holding 
that hole in this guy's hand. Yeah. And that's a very, very well-paid and self-interested government employee. Yes, I would concur. Well, I, I agree. Yes. Right, but I, I'm going to... The where where I was going with that conversation is a, a bit more of an extension of, of the conversation across the board, and it's not just in government. I see this in, in business all the time. Yes, right? absolutely. I see it in industry. In, that uh, anyone that, anyone who has worked for a large like who has worked uh, in Fort McMurray for yeah. IOL for Albion for Syncrude Suncor has I an saw, example. I saw a lot of from yep. Suncor as well, how in the overall, I guess, betterment of the institution is never, ever, ever considered by anyone on the ground. Everyone there from the corner office to the guy who drives the honey wagon pumping out the, the, the blue rockets. Everyone is saying, okay, how can I maximize my own self-interest in this situation? Mm-hmm. And the bigger the organization, the easier it is to hide your self-interest. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and it's it, an inevitability. It, and, I mean, well, it, it's hard to have the esprit de corps to, to have proper teamwork, you know, at larger levels. You know, yeah. Because you, you need all these onerous departments and stuff. You know, and commissars. The bigger to, the organization, the more like anonymous that. we all become, the easier right. it is to hide but our I've, individual agendas. Sorry, Steve. But I, it's, I, I just want to say that there's a, like... Using those act, those those large yep. infrastructure, private infrastructure projects yep. in, in in Fort McMurray, right? There's a, there's a point in all in all of these where there, like there's maximizing your 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 return yep. as an employee. There's yep. there's ethical yes, and then there's unethical. Right? Yes. Ethical is I work as much overtime as I can. Yes, right for my own benefit. For yep. my own benefit. Yeah. The unethical, which there's a lot of up there. Yeah. Right. Is, is I will deliberately sabotage this work yeah. so it takes longer and I get overtime. And I get overtime. Right. Because yeah. there's there's always the oh we opened up this blind because this pipe wasn't flowing properly and we found a toolbox. Yes. Right? Yes. You know there, yes. there's a lot of that. Yeah. I, I remember working on a project. Yeah. Um. And and this this kind of is a gray area of of, uh, of ethical and unethical. I think it was just a badly negotiated union contract. But I worked on a project mm-hmm. at OptiNexon in Anzac. Yeah, and we were pressure testing um, the the air the lar- world's largest air separation unit there. Yeah, because you know they put it all together. Yep. And so now we're just pressure testing pipe joints and all that yep. stuff, right? So we pressure test the plant. These guys were working were getting paid twelve hours a day. Yeah, they got as a minimum. Yeah. Uh, they got an hour lunch. Yep. And were they jumped an hour out of the twelve? I I don't know. Okay. And then, but then they had at least two half hour coffee breaks, sure. which were not. They were definitely paid for those. Yep. Then, but of course, you have to walk from the project to the break room to the break room. So guys would leave early so that they get to the break room yeah. right at the start of the break. Right. Well, and, and, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Okay, like I said, this is this is a gray area between ethical and unethical. Yeah. In the end, and then while we were pressure testing, mm-hmm. they had to leave. Mm-hmm. Right? And then it's it's another thing where okay, so the guys the crew that is looking for leaks yep. is not the crew that fixes the leaks. Right. Right. So we'd pressure test it. Everybody would leave while we yep. pressure test it. And of course, it's a 15 minute walk to the shacks. Yep. Or to the break room shacks. Yep. We pressure test. Okay. The thing's pressured up. Okay. So the, the crew that's finding leaks 
takes yep. 15 minutes to walk back into the plant yeah, and yeah, go around yeah, yeah. and two hours or whatever to find leaks. And then, okay, call the pipe fitters because we found yeah. 50 leaks. Yeah. Then they leave and they go back and they twiddle their thumbs until yeah. we can, the pipe laters come in and cure yeah. all the leaks we found, depressurize the whole system. Right? If they yeah. were getting four hours of work out of these guys in a 12-hour shift, yeah. they were doing well. Yep. Right? And yep. it's just... Okay. It's the nature... So this is a big bureaucratic yep. inefficiencies that, yes. that happens all bureaucracies. So when we point to the government, like talking about coercion versus voluntary again, like there's a point where like I'm of the belief that the voluntaryism of going through charities is always more efficient than going through government. I would agree. Up to a point because charities Mm -hmm. and nonprofits, when they get too big, they they develop all those same agenda. Yes. So United way, please call your office. Or you know, or looking, looking, looking outside. You know, the, the example that we always use uh, of charity of a nonprofit that just perpetuates itself to yes is, yes. is like mad. Yes, right? mothers against drug driving. Drug driving is way down. We all got the yep. message. You can shut the hell yep. up. But mad exists yep. because there's a bunch of people at the top of it who make six figures a year, and they yes. don't want to lose a six figure a year job yes. because the mission was accomplished. So now yep. we got to make mission yeah. creep. Yes, yes, right? absolutely. No, and absolutely. I saw I saw what mission creep was this morning. It's like really. Now, now it's they want to make it mandatory for all new vehicles purchased in Canada. Oh yeah, to have uh, you're talking about doing this in Europe. Uh, in, some impa- trucks in Europe come from the a factory of breathalyzers. Impaired oh, breathalyzers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like yeah. Again, you know the, the you know now we're gonna go for the counter. And that that literally right? would just save drunk drivers money, because like as it stands now, the, mm-hmm. if you get an impaired driving charge, mm-hmm. you have to pay. To have that thing installed yep. in your vehicle, yep. and you have to pay a monthly rental fee. Yep. If the thing, if your all your yeah, cars just, just, just come from the factory's yeah. standard equipment, now yeah. you're just literally all you're doing is saving impaired drivers you're, money you're, you're and making taking, life a bigger. You're pain shifting the, the cost from the few drunk drivers to the population as a whole. Who doesn't? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're subsidizing drunk drivers. And now we're down, yeah. down. Now we're going down the road of well, if you got nothing to hide, then you yeah. should have no problem with it, right? But yeah. but the point is, is that the yeah. system yeah. is backwards, right? Like yeah. now yeah. now you've made it less costly for people to to, yeah. to drive you, impaired. Yeah. Right. So you've actually. You've completely well, warped the incentive. Yep. No, because you are preventing them from driving impaired. Well, unless yeah. you, unless you yeah. do the old forty year old version thing, like Leslie Mann does with Steve Carell, is they here yeah. go into this before she takes off. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, you know. yeah. That's true. <laughs> there's there's ways to game the system. Yes. You know, I could but, sell. I could hang out outside bars, and I could sell my breath. I'm well. For, I'm, for sh- I'm sure. Twenty could, bucks a puff. I'm sure I could yeah. make. I'm, I could come up with a fan that fits on the end of the tube that just yes. blows in the ambient. Or air like a car, like right? a compressed air bottle of ambient atmosphere. Yeah, right? with a little moisture yeah. in it to keep. Yeah. Or yeah, to to private. Yeah industry will come yeah. up with a no. way to, yeah. to, to cheat yeah. that system right but what you're saying is like uh thomas Sowell's famous or not fam- well he's, he's famous but his well-known anecdote of when he graduated from university a dedicated socialist mm-hmm. and then he got a job with the department of labor and he started doing a research project to determine whether or not minimum wage was actually effective in in, in achieving what it was intended to do in puerto rico and he was immediately shut down by his superiors uh, because they had a very, very large office presence mm-hmm. um, based on running the program. And if his research would determine that the program wasn't effective, they might lose 
some staff, they would have resources reallocated yeah. and to the department managers who had a vested interest, the bigger the department, the more important I am, the bigger my salary, the better my career, yada, 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 yada. Well, so here's my response to that. I was, <clears throat> and it kind of ties in what you were saying about these, you know, the, the guys, what are, I can't, I don't even know what their function was. These guys were the, the pressure leak, testers. You were the pressure testers. So these are the leak seekers. Yeah. Okay. Right. That sounds like an awesome rock band. <laughs> it does. The, the leak seekers. The leak seekers. Right, that trademark. Is <clears throat> I copyright that. Or was yeah. it trademark? Yeah. Yeah. Trademark. Yeah. Um, but uh, along the same lines of what you're saying there, to me, we're talking mismanagement there, right? With your guys, you know, like yeah, someone, but... someone needs to be managing those crews a bit better, or could be conceivably, right? That's my yeah, that's my response to that. Sure. To your thing, it's like you're right. Having a guy like that in an organization is is a threat to that department. He's going to get shut down, mm-hmm. no question. Doesn't mean the work doesn't need doing. It means someone right. somewhere needs to take a guy like him. Get him to yep. do his work, but not report to those people. Right. right. He needs to be... Yeah. I mean, the work should you know, still be done. It's just not in the interest of the bureaucracy to do it. Just like with this article about 37th or basically $50,000 Canadian per, per homeless person, that is double what it needs to be. But... Yeah. And this is why they're never going to reduce the number of homeless people because nobody who is in... who's spending that redistributed $50,000 per homeless person, that's their job. If I solve the home, if I work in the department of homelessness and we solve homelessness, I'm out of a job. Well, you're a fucking bureaucrat and we can move you to anywhere else in the bureaucracy. But I like the job I'm in. I'm familiar with it. I don't like change. I like where I am. And what you move me to in some other ministry, you cannot guarantee me that it's going to be upwardly mobile. So no, I'm not interested. Well, yeah, of course no one's interested. Nobody likes change anyways. Yeah, so I'm going to stay where I am and I have no intention of solving the homeless problem. Getting to what you were talking about, and again, this feeds into my... The discussion I opened up in the first place, but um, when you were talking about ethical versus unethical versus gray areas, mm-hmm. right? I, I think what's what's completely ethical uh, is it's it's not malicious at all. It's just inefficiencies. Again, mm-hmm. it's just yeah. individual. Yep. You know, it, you know, when you get lack of teamwork, um, you know. Poor management, poor leadership, poor self-leadership. I mean, these, these are all the things that my business is all about, yeah. right? It, it's getting out there and trying to get people to the, to the level where they, they can operate better together. And I can't remember if I've told this anecdote before, um, but this is where this is coming from. When I worked at Abraxas, which was the second fastest growing company in the, in the province at the time, and this was mid-2000s, so before the, the, the 2007, yeah. 2008, Right, and they were a, a welding fabricator, fabricator, and don't quote me. I think it was the Long Lake project, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And one day, their project people, the the, the long Opti people, came in and gave our people a great big barbecue. It was their engineers and their project managers came yep. in, and it was steak. It wasn't yep. fucking barbecues and hot dogs. It was steak. Did I tell yep. you guys this no. before? No, no. And I said, so I'm I was the procurement guy, so yep. I'm the one who interact with the project manager, get all this stuff in here. And he brought me down and said, hey, are you coming? And we're sitting there, we're getting our steak and stuff. And I said, so what's all this about? And he said, and this blew my mind. I was gobsmacked. He said, 
This is to celebrate the fact that Abraxas Construction is the only contractor on that whole project that is on schedule. Right? And, yeah. and so, you know, how many contractors and subcontractors mm-hmm. are on a project? There's got to be at least a couple oh, of dozen. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Right? One of them. Yep. Right? Yeah. And, and I, I, I've told this story yeah. before, so, and I cannot remember if I threw my stake in the trash or if I just wanted to throw my stake in the trash. Why? You should because, be happy because you're no, doing well. No. Yeah. Like, this is what we're celebrating. They, this was a big fucking deal, right? Yeah. They, they had like 20 guys on 20 barbecues. This was a big operation. There was a big thing. Steaks yeah. and everything, okay. right? You know? Yeah. And I'm, What's I'm like, wrong with that? Yay, we're mediocre. Yay, ah. we, d- we did exactly what we said we were going to do. What kind of fucking society do we live in where we are celebrating people who are going to do what they said they were going to do? In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Right? <laughs> there like you go. As, yeah. as, Maybe you're not meeting your own standards, but you're, yeah. you're, you're exceeding everybody else. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, well, exactly. Well, I wasn't exceeding our standards. And, and this, is, this is part of the weird thing about being... A soldier, right? You know, mm-hmm. I talk about being a socialist, but I can yep. tell you, and, and that was a that was a case in point at that place. Every time I've I've been in a union environment, yep. the lack of drive and motivation mm-hmm. is disturbing, mm-hmm. right? Because what what were we taught? You know, yeah. in, in a lot of ways, it's the same thing. You, you got the brotherhood, you, you've got the you know, you know, nobody's supposed to be more special than anyone else. We're yep. all we're all in this together. We're all working together to get stuff done, right? And but part of it is, yes, we see ourselves as part of the, part of something bigger than ourselves, and, and the other thing is, we're taught to do our best at everything for the sake of doing our best and everything, mm-hmm. and take fucking pride in that, mm-hmm. right? The Protestant work ethic, and we never get that. You never get that in your no, environment. It drives not. me nuts. Yes, no. right. So, so that's where that was coming from. I, I'm like, it, we weren't exceeding our expectations of ourselves. We were meeting our expectations of ourselves. I'm like, in what universe is that something to, to c- celebrate? Celebrate. Well, that, got- that's, that, that comes to the thing. Like I remember I, the, the, the hardest thing to learn from QL2 was don't say thank you. I'm just doing my job. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's like the most anti-Canadian thing yeah. in the world. But it was it was like the, the, the hardest thing to pick up on, on basic training was... Don't thank me. I'm just doing my job. Don't thank me for doing my job. And don't expect yep. thanks for doing your job. Was was the <laughs> yep. corollary on there that yep. they never said, but that's the point, yep. right? Like So wait a minute. What's what was QL2 for you? You, you the marching up and down the square part? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. QL2 was basic training. Basic training, yeah. 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 Well, QL3 was basic yeah. for me too, because yeah. I no, did QL3, them all the same. QL3 well, was infantry. Yeah, QL2 yeah. is your tra- is your general universal training. Well, I, I'm just wondering where the specific. when you're saying the thank you Yeah bit on QL2. Who was saying that to whom? Our instructors were saying that to us. Yeah. Yeah. Don't thank me for... You know, like when you when you got to, went to get issued weapons, right? He hands you yep. the rifle, thank, thank you, Ward. Oh, don't okay. thank me. I'm just doing my job. Yeah. Gotcha. Right? Okay. But it was all through the school, yeah. right? Like you asked, you went and asked one of the section commanders, one of your instructors a question. Yeah. He would give you an answer. You'd say, thank yeah. you. Don't thank me. I'm just yeah, doing my job. Yeah. It's just contrary to our, to our modes of... of I, I don't remember that actually from QL2. Well, well, uh, you know, what? My, me... my QL... Like my, my QL... My, I did a combined two, three... Yeah, and all of our instructors, save one, were patricians, so they were all right. red force. We had one yeah. militia instructor, and it was a militia course, but it was yeah. we had all red, red force, force instructors and stuff. Let me throw a quote at you guys, and uh, I want to get your feedback on it. This is from uh, an author who is generally highly regarded in military circles, 
Robert Heinlein because of his mm-hmm. seminal work, Starship, Starship Troopers. Troopers. Quote from him. Political tags such as royalist, communist, democrat, populist, fascist, liberal, conservative, and so forth are never basic criteria. The human race divides politically into those who want people to be controlled and those who have no such desire, end quote. Gentlemen, you have the floor. Actually, could we table this for about the length of a cigarette? Yeah, we can. Except I'm going to have to skedaddle at the top of the hour. But yeah, let's take a quick break. All and right. we can resume on that, uh, on that point. All right. We're back? We're back. <clears throat> we are back. Okay, so off the top of my head, great statement. Yeah. Right? The world, you know, history is full of great quotable statements. Yeah. Um, it's... In its own way, it's very simplistic. Yes. Right? And like all simplistic statements, it has requires, gaps. It requires critical thinking, right? It needs to yep. be put in context at all times. It's like I've always said that, you know, the worst, the worst statement that's been put out into the world these days, uh, you know, in the last 10 years, has, and it's greatly affected, the, it's created the whole woke movement, is the one where, uh, uh, the only thing I don't tolerate is intolerance, mm-hmm. right? People have not been able to put that in any sort of context at any given time, put, apply any critical thinking to it. They just use it to justify, uh, you know, whatever they've decided they don't have to tolerate. Does it not match into the idea of a spectrum of collectivism on the one hand versus individualism on the other who absolutely makes decisions it does. Yeah. absolutely it does and and that's why i was gratified when you and it was a bit of an epiphany when you pointed out to yeah. me at the end of the last the last podcast that not all coercion is bad no because Sometimes, because yeah, that's where the conversation had eventually gotten to right yeah. when it, so it's it's like what can coercion to what extent regarding what issues um and, you know, who enforces it? You know, how is it enforced? You know, because another concept that we've come up with is ethics versus, versus legalities. Right. Um, and, you know, ethics, you know, some people can be counted on to act ethically some of the time, but not others. You know, it it's, it's, it's depends on the person. Sure. It depends on the situation. I, right? I think this really comes into focus um, in the post-COVID shakedown, like where we're taking kind of a reassessment of how did we do during COVID. And I think society really, I cannot think of a time where we more clearly, um, obviously self-identified as those who do have no desire to control other people and those who have an extreme desire to control other people. I thought it was most... I, have, I cannot think of any other time in, in, in our history where that desire has been so openly manifested. Ooh, also, at a time when you know, society is already so polarized and everyone's used to their own, their own echo chambers, right? So mm-hmm. everyone's already in this indiv- individualistic... I'm all that matters to me, right? 
in their own ways, right? And just you know, my mind, my mind went a half dozen places when you when you mm-hmm. said that when we went through COVID, right? Um, yeah, but you know, like because it's even a good focus point, as, good example. And I've pointed out one of my pet peeves with uh, you know, what was happening in Ottawa mm-hmm. during the 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 trucker the convoy protest or whatever. Yeah. I can't remember what generic term we gave it. Um, and not just there, but but elsewhere. People who didn't want to wear masks mm-hmm. were abusing people who were wearing masks, right? And so these people who didn't want to wear masks who were all, we've had this discussion, I know. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you can't make me wear a mask because you can't make me would shit on people who were wearing masks. Well, yeah, but that right? went the you other know, way too. There was all kinds of, there was an straight up equal number of episodes. I, I get that. Of people wearing masks and harassing other people in public for not wearing a mask. No, I get that. So, right? But that's a wash. But the, no, the dichotomy for me there was that these people who were mm-hmm. saying, you know, who were legitimizing their not wearing masks by saying, Nobody has the that right would, to make me. That no would one has only the right to be make. valid if the participation in that harassment was 100%, and it's not. So I don't think that's a valid point. I, I think it is. That's a pretty right? weak argument. If three no, people, I'm agreeing, if three people out of 500 do that, I'm agreeing with you to the that extent valid? that, you know, if someone is saying, yeah. you don't have the right, it's because it's coming from the yeah. point of view. This is, yeah. this is my problem. It's coming from the point of view. I don't want to wear a mask and you can't make me. Sure. Okay. All right. That statement is valid unto itself. Sure. Right. So, and, and they're saying, you can't force me to do that. Now, for that person who's saying that, you can't force me to wear a mask to turn around and go to some other completely different person who isn't telling them to mm-hmm. wear a mask and start abusing them because they are wearing a mask. I have okay. a serious problem but with that, But even right? if that one person out of 25 or 30 does that, even if it's that one person out of 100 does that, it doesn't validate the point. It doesn't validate the principle or it doesn't invalidate the principle I, I, that you should not be allowed to impose your desires onto other people. But if a person who's saying that, you can't, you can't, inf- you can't impose your will on me, goes out and does the exact same thing. That makes them a hypocrite. Yeah, but it does not invalidate the first principle. That's the logical fallacy of what aboutism. Not sure where that came from, where you're going with it, but the proper term is the logical fallacy of uh, propter hoc ad propter hoc. To say that you should not be allowed to impose your will upon someone else is not invalidated by, say, if I if I say to you. You should not be allowed to impose your morality upon me. And then I go and I impose my morality upon someone else and I demonstrate a clear hypocrisy. That is a moral failing on my part. It is not an invalidation of the principle earlier expressed. I agree. Right? No. You're you're absolutely right. I agree. The fact that three you know, uh, loudmouths are on an Ottawa street corner abusing people walking out of a coffee shop for wearing masks in no way invalidates the principle behind the trucker protest of mandating vaccines and and masks or imposing lockdowns on people. Yeah, I mean, 
that's that's always going to be a tough conversation, and it's never going to be resolvable. I mean, well, it's, certainly not, especially if one comes from the ideological bent that says people need to be controlled, that <laughs> they should be forced to wear a mask, wear blue socks, uh, wear uh, a symbol on their clothing, wear sunglasses with green frames, but not red well, frames. You know what? I, for, I, for whatever, I ref- whatever it is, whatever imposition we're making, there is always going to be an argument. And let me step back from my earlier facetious point there a few seconds ago. There will always be a rational and legitimate argument to be made for why people need to be controlled. And this is, this is a conversation I often get into with some of my more progressive associates and that they can point out that, for example, again, people are imperfect. Mm-hmm. We can be misled. We can be, like say, when we're talking about, say, the idea of disinformation in, in media mm-hmm. or say particularly new media with the internet, mm-hmm. people can be misled. People can make wrong decisions or because they're getting bad information, they can make incorrect decisions. It's decisions that are not in their interest, not in the societal interest. Therefore, it behooves us as a society to control what is put into the public forum to ensure for accuracy and completeness. Interesting. Okay, because now we're... I'm not <clears throat> saying I subscribe to that argument, but I'm saying the argument can be made. Right. I think what, what I'm actually going to go back to at this point is our discussion of the meteor coming towards Earth, right? Mm-hmm. And, and draw the parallel with COVID. Sure. Right? Now, there, there is no easy way to dissect the last three years when it, when it comes to what happened with COVID, right? Um, but I, I think that's an example of, and it, it's impossible to prove, Right. It's impossible to prove a negative, right? right? I do have a sense that, you know, maybe we didn't need to do maybe. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying yay or nay. On yeah, you're saying you're, you're open to hearing right. the discussion. Yeah. It, and it, it's probably really tough to tell, right? But I do respect, and you, I, don't, I don't have a ton of respect for the current government federally. Mm-hmm. Right? Um. But someone had to make a decision. I, I, I feel if, if the federal government, no matter who was in power, had done nothing, the same people who were screaming about what was done would have been screaming about sure. nothing being done. But again, can I prove that? No, yeah. because it, that didn't happen, right? Um, but I, but I, don't, it, I don't think anybody uh, was saying do nothing. At least no, no one credible. I mean, there was, there was a few odd crackpots who were saying, you know, do nothing. COVID doesn't exist. But, it's a myth. But if but not... They yeah, were not... There was no constituency behind those voices. So that, this is where we run into, okay, the, the collective. Yep. We run into who makes the decisions. Yep. We, you, know, you know, what measures need to be taken, right? Wearing a mask sucked. Yep. Having to get vaccinated sucked. Having to force people, quote unquote... Yep. To get vaccinated and to wear masks sucked. Yes. Right? And that's were, being... Were, were they bad that's things? That's being I think it's, pretty 
uh, if anything, we're, we're guilty of gross understatement. It's, it's, but, and it's impossible to prove a negative. We can't prove what would have happened if those measures hadn't been taken. Right? Well, no, but we can look at other jurisdictions that didn't take such strident measures mm -hmm. and compare their outcomes. So we, we can't 100% resolve this question, but we can do a pretty good analysis of it. Like we can come, maybe not a perfect resolution, but we can come to a very practical resolution. As long as we're doing it with an integrity and in good faith. Absolutely. From, from all sides. Absolutely. Right? That's, Absolutely. That's why I want to do it. Because one thing right now, I, I'm finding the, the news out of uh, Nova Scotia. I think it's Nova Scotia. Mm -hmm. uh, out of the emergency rooms yeah, there. Yeah, where two people have died in emergency rooms. Yeah, right. And whether it's connected and how connected it is, to everything else that's gone on in mm -hmm. the medical field in the last three years is hard to know, right? Well, but this is something that I've gotten into in the past. And I started about eight years ago. And I've never seen a deviation from this. I cannot find a single year in history, with the exception of PEI and the territories, um, simply because I don't think I, I don't get enough data on the territories. Yeah. But I cannot find... Also, the territories don't run their own health care. Right. Uh, the federal government runs it. But so far as I can find, every single year in every single province, with the exception of PEI, at least one person dies in an emergency room. Every year, every province. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. And, and it probably works out per capita. Right. Well, and that's why PEI is the exception, just because right. so, it's such again, a small thing. I don't, I don't know if it's connected or if it's not. Right? I is think this it's a pattern or not. I, it's, because I, I point to it as an example of our healthcare system and why it's fundamentally flawed right from the get-go. I think I would agree with you to the extent that we need to be identified. We need to be able to identify flaws in the system yeah. and improve them. I think the concept of universal health care is is a decent one, right? Universal access? Yeah, universal like, access. Yeah, just well, like, because when you say, well, universal healthcare, um, most, like, you could so be you know, universal States access. universal healthcare. Yeah, okay, but I, I wouldn't want to. Like, there's enough hospitals for the population, it. right? Um, and, and we have the same issue where they say, well, access to healthcare is not the same thing as healthcare. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm not with the diehards who, who ideologically declare that you, we can't change the system because mm -hmm. if you go to a two-tier system then then the people with money get all the right. get all the spots in you mean like, like what we have now we already have a two-tier yeah. system like yeah. are you talking about our system as being no. two-tier no because it is the rich people go to the united states for medical treatment mm -hmm. right where guys like us we die on waiting lists right right i want to uh, just inject one more, uh, one more thing, I guess, that may lead us, because I have a feeling this is going to part three again. <laughs> well, yeah, because we, have, we haven't discussed coercion yet. Well, but we are. Dis we're, we're discussing coercion We're scratching the surface. The, the thing now. is that when, when you look at, I guess, decentralized individual decision-making versus collective decision-making. Yeah. Decision or coercive. Yeah. Or coercive yeah. decision-making. Or decision-making by the individual versus decision-making by a representative yeah. elite. But when, you, when you're dealing with, popu with the population, but you look at... Yeah, so the, the collective or elite decision-making, you actually, for the lack of a better term, the processing power for the collective 
decision making is actually much lower than it is for the individual. Yes. Right. Yes. Because you have if you have 35 million people making individual decisions yes. on an issue like whether or not to put on a mask. Uh, a bunch of people are going to come to there. There will eventually be a consensus. Yes. About what the proper is, and it'll probably take longer than coming to a decision. Having a decision imposed by, from the top down by committee or by yep. an individual medical official, but the the processing power and the ability to to take in the data and 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 see what's happening is much larger when you're doing it at the individual level, because it'll be ugly, it'll be messy, there'll be a lot of tests and a lot of failures, but we always learn more from failure than we do from a success. Yes. And and so it'll be messy. There might be more casualties, but eventually it will come to what's closer to the right answer than the committee will. This is so, what Smith right. called the invisible hand. Yeah. Uh, so are you saying that if we had said, let's, let's have a vote, we'll, say, we'll take the, the federal electoral system, Yep. we'll get Elections Canada to set up a vote, like and a all Canadians site. are going to go vote, should we have a mask mandate or not? And no, no, no. no. Not, not a, that, not would a be vote. An, that would be an example of coercion. Not not a vote, but it's no. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, because it's, if we get fifty one percent, yeah, we're imposing that on the other forty nine. Well, but the, that's that's what other, we do in no. the demo- it's democratic still, government. It's still anyways. democratic government, but it's still a measure of coercion. It would be further along the. the it would be a more left idea. But, but the thing because is, it involves more coercion. The thing is about this isn't just taking, uh, like like the thing is with with the individual action thing is you have to take the hand of government off. Yep. Right. And let let the individuals come to a consensus on their own organically. So you can't just say, okay, we think this thing could kill you, but we don't know. Should yep. we wear masks? Should we not wear masks? Because nobody knows. People yep. have to learn. Yep. The, so col- the you collective do, you do what of seems individuals best for you. has to learn. And eventually, over a given amount of like a couple of months, 90% of people would be doing one or the other. And odds are it would be the best decision. Yeah. Simply because 38 million people through their own basis of trial and error will have come to the decision which works best. And again, it's distributed decision-making with the maximum amount of informational inputs is going, while it takes longer. And his best year, and it will result probably in more casualties. Almost, yes. And there will be prices to pay along the way will ultimately probably be the best decision in the long run. But that is an ideological, um, you and I come to that from an ideological standpoint. Someone like a Fauci or a Justin Trudeau would vehemently disagree. Here's the the other thing. Fauci, like even Fauci views Fauci as the best infectious disease guy in in the world. Mm Mm-hmm. But Fauci cannot possibly be the best infectious, infectious disease guy in the world because there's a lot of other infectious disease guys in the world. And the best infectious disease guy is probably doing research on infectious diseases, right. trying to learn more, yeah, not, not making working policy. the political system yeah. to become the highest paid. Yeah, you know, but, but that's, that's an aside. Fauci wasn't there for the pay for crying out loud. He was, someone had to be brought in as the expert to help guide this yeah thing, but how, right? but but fauci's been out of academia and yeah. in gov- the reason that like fauci's not the not you know because oh we think fauci's the most valuable guy fauci's the highest paid civil servant in the united states because fauci's been in the civil service almost yeah. the longer longer yeah. than anybody else yeah right? he just has it's, it's a seniority thing it's not a 
expert American thing. We're talking yeah. message, messenger, medium. Like, yeah. Who cares, right? Like, what we're talking about fundamentally is was it correct or was it incorrect? Or, or right? fundamentally, the difference between we're going to hold the plebiscite, we're going to hold the vote, and it's winner take all. Do we wear masks or not? Or, all right, and, and we get a decision, boom, real quick. Or do we say, okay, look, everyone, you decide for yourself if you want to wear a mask. And in 60 days, we're probably going to have this sorted as to what works best. Yeah, sure. All right. So, yeah, maybe we could have gone that way. Right. Yeah. Again, I, I'm not saying I know all the answers. Right? But, but there are people who would vehemently disagreed with that. Yeah. Because there was a risk. There is a societal risk. And a to philosophical that. opposition to it. Yeah, I know. And, and in an ideal world, I agree with that philosophical opposition. But right? in the, the real <clears throat> world, you disagree. I look at it in practical terms. I feel I looked at yeah. the situation in practical terms. I had a number of things governing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, one is I didn't want to be responsible. I didn't want to die. You didn't I, want? I didn't want to die, mm. right? I didn't want to be responsible for anyone else dying. Right. I didn't want anyone I know and love specifically to die. Right. I don't really want anyone to die. Okay. Right? Now, from a perverse I want point of die. view, <laughs> from a perverse point of view, you know, is there some part of me, okay, listen, if some clown doesn't want to get vaccinated, doesn't want to wear right. a mask, you know, and, and is ready to take that yep. responsibility, yep. then yep. then whatever. Yep. Right? That's the polite way of putting it. Sure. Right? Yep. But I, I think the the biggest thing that I I, I think we did the right thing, and again, it's hard mm-hmm. to prove, is, yeah, it's all great to say, okay, well, let's just do our thing and see what happens, right? But I, I think it could have overwhelmed our medical right. system. Right. You feel that that approach put other people at risk. No, I, yeah, other people who yeah. that had nothing to do with yeah. COVID. Yeah, right? say so like, I, I choose whether or not I wear a mask, but if I choose not to, what if I'm putting other people at risk? Yeah. And this is part of, of what makes COVID such a, a interesting case study in that there was absolutely no evidence that it put other people at risk. And this is something where I remember, like it happened this morning, where Steve almost came over the table when we were talking about how the vaccine was not sterilizing and that it did not prevent you from getting COVID, nor did it prevent you from spreading COVID. COVID simply eliminated your symptoms or at least minimized your symptoms. So it benefited you and you alone. It didn't stop you from infecting anyone else. So your danger to other people was completely irrelevant with the vaccine. You were not safer to other people because you got vaccinated. The same thing with with masks. There was never a shred of evidence in the terms of a double-blind study, which is considered the gold standard in medical fields. There were only observational studies, which cannot distinguish between causation and correlation, in terms of the efficacy of masks in preventing transmission. So there was never any hard, where we can say without a doubt, if you smoke around other people, your secondhand smoke is a danger to them. If you drink and drive, you are a danger to other people. Mm -hmm. We can say this without a doubt. 
We couldn't say that with wearing masks and getting the vaccine. Oh, I, I just, I'm not sure I buy, and I have nothing to refute what you're saying. Right. Right. So if I, if I want to refute this, I'm going to have to find some stats that. Let's say you don't need to refute it. You, you know, don't believe it. I, I you, find it hard to you believe. You believe that I vaccines believe. made you safer for other people. No, and you I'm not saying that. And you believe that masks made or uh, decreased the risk you pose to other people. Yes. Right. All right. The vaccine, even by your own words. Yeah. Okay. If that's how it worked. Yeah. And for the moment, I've got no reason to believe otherwise. Yeah. What I heard you just say was, me getting vaccinated didn't prevent me from infecting you. Yes. But it prevented me from being infected by someone else. No. no. It did not. The it only not. thing the, the medications Sorry. did Sorry. was it, ameliorate it, your symptoms. It mitigated yeah. your symptoms. It mitigated, mitigated the, yeah. fa- the, the, the impact on me yeah. Yeah. being infected by someone. And yeah. therefore, my risk of dying... Yes, was less. Yes, yes, and my risk of impacting the health. System. And, and, and yes. again, this this yes. is my main point, right? And again, can I prove it? But I think that two things came out of this, right? One is questionable, mm-hmm. which is we don't know. I don't have any stats on it. Like it, it, it's purely anecdotal. Yep. It's coming out of Nova Scotia right now. Yep. Is this a result of the healthcare system being overwhelmed right. by COVID? I think one thing we do know is that a lot of people have burnt. There's been a lot of burnout in the medical field. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have left, right? And so that's a problem, right? And so for that reason alone, mm-hmm. that one reason, I am glad we had a vaccine mandate. And I am glad that we what had a mean? mask mandate. That reason alone. Oh, that, that, that we it, didn't, it would we have didn't... decreased the impact on the healthcare system. Yeah. And again, it's, it's right. impossible to prove a negative. But at but... the time, it opens up definitely a Pandora's box. Now... Why are we only going to apply that to uh, COVID? Why aren't we applying that to cigarette use? We why do. aren't we applying that? Speaking as a smoker. Why don't, why don't we ban cigarette smoking because of the, Im- the massive impact it has on the healthcare system? Now you leave fucking smoking out of this, man. <laughs> why don't we take legal action against obesity? We should. As a smoker, I'm, I, you know, it's like, listen, I can't smoke it anywhere anymore. Right. For 40, 50 years ago, I could smoke yep. a fucking movie theater if I wanted yes. to. Right? Well, and, and, 40 years ago, I could uh, smoke in a bar but, and a restaurant. But that's because of secondhand smoke, not because of your impact on the healthcare system. Actually, funnily enough, I looked up the stats today mm-hmm. on lung cancer. Yeah. Right? Strangely enough, so between the 70s and now, and this yep. was a UK study, yep. men's lung cancer rates have gone down 41%. Mm-hmm. I would imagine so, because far few people, far fewer people smoke. Strangely but enough, there's other reasons too, right? Like, yeah, I would think there are. Right? Strangely yeah. enough, especially in the UK, because yeah. how many people in the UK have gone? You know, their heating, their heater is not a yeah. coal-fired yeah. furnace. Oh, in the oh yes, basement quality, anymore. air quality. Air quality is, yeah, for yeah. sure. So there's 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 never one single cause for any of these yeah. things. Yeah. The cancer rate among yeah. women, yeah, has gone up. Has gone up seventy-seven percent. Lung cancer. Lung cancer. Lung cancer. Interesting. I wonder why. And that's in the UK. And there was a similar set of stats I read that came out of the States. It said the same thing. Women's, it didn't specify. Mm-hmm. But while men's lung cancer rates have gone down, women's, women's have gone, have gone up. up. 
Interesting. That is very, that is very interesting. So because I but think yeah. I think rates of smoking have gone down roughly equally with each gender. Oh yeah, I would think across I would think. the board. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, um, but yeah. So but again, as, as this a smoker, is, I get it. This is right? a relevant question. What to what level should we control people's behavior? Based on the health, in order to protect the healthcare system. Well, and once you get into obesity, then now you get into yeah. it. You're actually getting into yeah. wealth distribution again. Well, right? or it dovetails to other to other issues because yes. the cheaper foods, right, are worse for you, right? So, that, and that's what, and people they're just generically things that people prefer yeah. to eat, right? yeah. Um, so that's what's saying. You know, you get the your lower income strata is shopping at Walmart. They can crap your food because it's because it's cheaper. Because it's cheaper, and so that's part of the obesity. So that's that's a whole podcast unto itself. It is, but it it's a good example of how this idea of the the political spectrum boils down to: Do you want to control other people, or do you not? And that is just an example of how that is manifested. Well, I think it's, I think you or see how, control. Or how we see it. You see control in a lot of different places than I do, or you define it differently than me. So that's, that's. And also, I'm not, I don't consider myself, I'm not trying to defend something, an ideal. And a lot of this discussion is, I think, is, is putting you in that position where I'm kind of coming and saying, your philosophy is based on control. And you're kind of coming back and saying, well, no, no, it's not. It, it doesn't have to be. And, and you How know, about like, this? And this I is- think your philosophy, like, I think you're coming from a point of, of really good ideals and, uh, and genuine. I don't mean this as a, as a punchline. I mean, genuine, legitimate desire to help people, to be a, of good, genuine good to other people. And then some guy like me comes along and says, yeah, but what you're actually doing is, isn't that at all. It's just a, a deep, deep-seated subconscious desire to control. That's, that's a bitter pill to swallow. No, actually, so I'm going to respond to that. First of all, I think you are defending an ideal. Mm-hmm. You are defending the ideal of individual rights. Yes. Right. Absolutely. So you are you are defending Absolutely. an ideal. Yeah, right? but but no one's no one's attacking me for and, it. And and right? here's what it comes down to is the it's basically the concept of free will. Mm-hmm. I guess we're talking biblically. We're talking original sin, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to control anybody, right? Are uh, you I'm, sure? Here's let me are finish. Let me finish. Let me finish sure? what. Let me finish what I'm about to say. Okay. All right. I want to be able to expect things of people. I want to be able to expect from my fellow Mm -hmm. beings behavior that I respect. That is that is decent towards other people. I want to expect it. That's not trying to control it. What's the difference between that? And saying, I want them to do what I want them to, or I want them to do as I direct. If I have an expectation of you, yeah, you are under no obligation to live up to that expectation. Okay, that'd be great, but I don't think that's really what you want. 
I don't want to control anybody. I think you want, I think, what you're really asking for is, I want people to do what I want them to do without me having to ask them to do it. I want them to think the way I do and we're, behave the way I do. I think we're getting closer to a middle ground. Um, I was, in some ways, yeah. yes. I don't want. I would prefer. I would respect. Mm-hmm. That, that, that it is, would be a lot easier. That's what sure. I respect in people. It would is, be a lot neater. Is a certain yes. standard of behavior. But right? like, remember our $8 million guy? Yeah. And you were saying like, you know, it, 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 this guy's got all of this wealth. He could do so much more with it. He chooses not to. You've got zero sympathy for him if we, if we seize a lot, of, a lot of his wealth. And then, you know, Steve presented some, some counterfactuals to say, well, this $8 million guy, his ability to, even if we take uh, all of his wealth, achieves virtually nothing. And you were still steadfast, like, no, I still, this is the way I feel. I couldn't help but come away from that and say, you know, it's really not about helping the poor. It was about control. No. You wanted to control that guy. What really bugged you is he wasn't doing what you wanted him to do. That was the issue. The no, poor were no. simply a, a moral you've, you've got it balm for your, for your conscience. You've got it it was about con- you wanted control. You've got it backwards. Like I said earlier. As far as I'm concerned, in this mm-hmm. society, we shouldn't have a homeless problem. Right. Right? If we had no homeless problem, and if we had no yep. social problems whatsoever, yep. I got no problem with a guy right. who's got $8 million a year. Go to fucking town. Yeah. Get on your yacht. Fuck off. Right? Go live your life. Great. Right. Love you. Right? Don't. But so that, I don't have that, a problem with a guy that's, having $8 million. Uh, that's an impossible I, situation. I have, like, 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 it's like, only impossible if we say something. Now, here's... Here's something I know you need to go, okay. but you just opened the door something, yeah. something I want to say. So my mother pointed this out to me the yeah. other day. She said, in her parents' time, up through the 50s, right, a family mm-hmm. could have one income. Yep. The mother could stay at home. Yep. They could have kids, go to school. They could afford a home. They could afford a home. Yep. And... You could make a living wage. Yep. You could raise a family. A very good and a, middle and a, income. And yep. a CEO of a company mm-hmm. made roughly 50 times yep. what the average worker did. Okay. Now we've gotten to the point where with two incomes, yep. nobody can afford a home. And CEOs are making roughly 200 times. Yep. Uh I, I can't even yeah. remember the Or, yeah. It's, it might it's, actually yeah, be 2,000 yeah. times. It's gone right? up a great deal. So, yeah. so I, I think that's part of where I'm coming from. I think that's yeah. where our society has kind of, kind of failed. Now, here's the interesting thing, though, because that's, okay, that's the economic. Yep. Right? Socially, I point out to my mother, you know what? Back then, a white family could afford those things. Not necessarily... A black family, not necessarily. So now it's like we've come the other way. The 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 rights for minorities, for mm-hmm. gays, yeah, uh, for you know, all those things. Those those have become standardized. We've evolved, right? Okay. So now we're all. I, but, I, I don't, I don't see the relevance. All, we're though. all equally down. I, I I don't want to get sidetracked on that. 
but I don't see the relevance. Well, I, I, th- I, th- I don't see how race plays any role in that. I, I thought it was interesting that our society has gone up in one way mm-hmm. in the equality scale. We've come down because we've come down yeah. ec- economically, right? So it's it's right. it, that was just uh, oh okay, okay, I see what it, you mean. But was, that's a good example. You feel that should be controlled. There should be a higher force that tells people that can that no, you no, think no. it's wrong that a guy should make two hundred and fifty times what the average worker makes. That strikes you as morally offensive. That's wrong. That a guy no, should make that no, much. You, you keep trying to put words into my mouth. No, well, I, I don't. How am I wrong? I, you feel a moral opposition to the fact that some guy makes 250 or 300 times the, if, the salary if, of the average if, worker. If I felt really passionately about it, I'd be out there lining them up against the walls and putting bullets in the backs of their well, heads, that's right? a bit So I'm not, I'm not doing anything about okay. it. Okay. All right. But you still feel that that's, because like, I feel if you that didn't feel that it was objectionable, you wouldn't bring that up we in talk, the first sentence. We talk about ideals. Okay. Right? Yeah. And we've talked somewhat about my ideals, right? My ideals, as I presented them today, are left libertarian. Okay. Right? It is respect for each other's rights, Okay. It is a certain standard of expectation of a society for each other. But then right? why do you care how much somebody else makes? What multiple they make of the mean? Why do you care? Why is it even remotely important? It doesn't affect any one of us. What the president of the Bank of Montreal makes has absolutely zero impact on When we're living in a society here. when the average person can no longer afford a home. Okay. Right. And whereas 50 years ago, 60 years ago, they could. Okay. Right? And no, again, causation, correlation. Right. I, right? I don't see a connection. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the affordability crisis has, um, is the ultimate in multivariate causes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's more expensive to build a home. Like, it's, it's six figures now. In, sure. in Ontario, I, I was just yeah. hearing a story. It's like it's causes it costs six figures just to get the permitting done to build a new home. Yeah, like I don't see a connection, you know, between the two. But I know that it's really important to you. It's really important to you. No, it's it's not important. It's it's just it, like I said. As a society, mm-hmm. I look at our society. I go, you know what? I think it's it's kind of wrong. Right. right. I'm not saying he's right. wrong. I'm We're, not saying we don't care. We think that's none of our business. As long as somebody is voluntarily willing to, like, say, a, a board of directors mm-hmm. is voluntarily, or the shareholders are voluntarily willing to part with their money to pay that CEO 250 times the mean, then that. <clears throat> take- Take, go him, take him out of the have, mix. First. Go ahead. Do me a favor. Take him out of the mix first. Okay. Though. All right. The CEO of, of X yeah. company. Okay. Right. And the board directors and okay. all of that. All right. Right. There is wealth in this nation. Okay. All right. And this is what we're talking about. We're talking yep, about we're the, talk- the yep. distribution of the wealth. Distribution of okay. the wealth. I'm not pointing the fingers at anybody at this okay. point. Okay. Right. I'm just saying it is tragic. Okay that our society has people dying on the streets every day okay. when we are such a wealthy nation. That's what it comes down to, all right? Am I asking to control any of that at this point in this conversation? I am not. 
I'm okay. saying it would be nice mm-hmm. if pipe dream ideals. Sure. That if we could our, live in a, it would be nice if we society, could live in a perfect world. If our society somehow defined itself, managed itself, agreed within itself yeah. in such a way that we didn't have people dying on the streets every day. That's all I'm saying. I don't think we have people dying on the streets. But I, I get what you're saying. If we could eliminate poverty. If we could eliminate poverty. That would indeed be a great thing. It would be. Yeah, just raise the bar a bit. But I would like to eliminate crime too. Yeah. I wish we could find a way to do that. I don't think they're really within the realm of possibility. Right. We can seek to mitigate crime. We can seek to mitigate poverty. You reduce poverty, you reduce crime. Well, Maybe. Not all crime is connected to poverty. Not all. Um, the question is, is again, we are never going to achieve that perfect ideal. And this is why we have philosophical discussion. What is the best way to mitigate poverty? And this is where I think there's common agreement between right and left, port and starboard. Both wish to mitigate the effects of poverty. Both wish to mitigate the effects of crime both wish to mitigate the any manner of human suffering the method by which we choose to do it is where we differ Mm -hmm. should individuals be allowed to seek their own solutions and their own methods be it direct action where i buy a sandwich and i give it to a guy or i choose how much of my income i give to charity or to institutions which are directly involved with poverty mitigation? Or is this a decision that should be imposed upon me and other people? Even if they disagree with me, should a decision be imposed upon them? If so, to what extent? Well, I think that's where we get into the conversation that we have absolutely failed to have about government and coercion and how that... Can we the democratic least... process creates the government? We choose a government. Sure, we agree to that government. That government is the one that starts defining. But can where we that at least go. agree that where you sit, where you decide on any given issue on that spectrum, if you believe that more of the decision making should be pushed to the individual, you are on the right. And if more of the decision making should be imposed. You are on the left. No, I do not agree with that. I fundamentally disagree with that. And that is where I think we are at loggerheads. Yes. So if I can coerce these two to get back in this room in a reasonable amount of time, but perhaps we will revisit this. Perhaps. But I don't know. Can we actually go anywhere with this? I don't know. I don't think we can. I don't think we can. But we'll try. I don't think think either one of us is good. I, I I don't know if we can take this any further, guys. We'll see. I've got some homework to do. I'm going to see what I can come up with. Why Hitler, Franco, Pinochet, Mussolini all belong on the right. Oh, absolutely. I want to get into that, buddy. Right. So if I can find that, maybe there's scope for some more discussion. Absolutely. You know what? I am totally up for that discussion, whether it's attached to this or whether you want to call it a new episode. I am totally up for that discussion. 100%. I will make a request of you, though. Hmm. 
If you find anything on the Falange in Lebanon, please share it because I've been, I've been doing some look into this myself and I can't find a lot of information on those guys. Yeah, I think the Falange is it's going to net because now we're going back to the 80s. Yeah. Right. And I so, think I mean, they were the, those, those particular Middle Eastern politics have gone uh, like, since the end of the first civil war. They were the last that I know of, the last example of a fascist, as in model of Franco and Mussolini, yeah. the last example of a fascist state. The funny thing was, I did not connect the dots between that name mm-hmm. and Franco. I thought phalangist, I, I did, it mm-hmm. was a nebulous concept to me during yeah. the Civil War in Lebanon. Yeah. Um, I it, thought they were a militia. Yeah. Yeah, I thought they were they were they were. I, uh, I didn't, ethnic I didn't understand what the word yeah. meant. I didn't know it that was, there was only a party. when I was well into uh, you know reading about the Spanish mm. Civil War. Yeah, that the term flag just kept coming up. Yeah, and then I was like, wait a minute, I've heard this somewhere before, right? Um, yeah, very. Yeah, I'll let you know. Yeah, because there's not a lot like I can find information on what, what life was like in in Franco's Spain, a mm. government policy, what. Um, what you could say were characteristics or hallmarks of the Franco regime. Mm-hmm. And so then I can compare those to, say, Portugal at the same time. I can compare Under those Salazar, to, yeah. Yeah, I can compare those to, say, uh, Mussolini's Italy. I can compare those to National Socialist Germany. Um, it's much harder to find information on, say, trade policy um, or labor policy in the Lebanese Falange mm-hmm. or the government of the Falange party in Lebanon. So if you find anything, I'll let, let me you know. know. I'll let For you sure. Know. All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>